What's up, bikers? Welcome to, ep I don't know, did I just start too early? Oh my God, five years or who knows how long I've been doing this. 153 episodes, still all screwed up. What's up, bikers? Welcome to episode 153 of the Biker Bar Podcast live stream. I just did that twice because it felt like the right thing to do. And I wasn't sure if I actually went live before I started talking or after I started talking. I'm just going to ramble for a minute. It doesn't even matter. Anyways, today we have Aaron Lutz from the Super Rider. Lutz, I think it's Lutz. I didn't ask him how to pronounce his last name, but that seems about right. We have Aaron from the Super Rider channel. If you haven't heard from him, neither did I or until like a week ago. I just bumped into his channel. It really blows me away that I've been doing YouTube for as long as I have in this space and I feel like I know everybody. And then all of a sudden I just like run into a channel that's got 60,000 subscribers and I've never heard of them. So I'm very flattered that he actually is, has watched some of the shows in the past. So um, now I'm, I'm, I'm the, I'm the, the douchebag that just is like out of touch or something. I don't know. Anyways, really stoked to have him on the show before we get started though. Thank you patreon people for supporting the channel can't say it enough this is a grassroots thing man i'm not getting like dump truck loads of money from podcast sponsors or youtube or anybody else to keep this going it's really just some slightly overweight guy that likes to drink a lot of beer in his garage doing this for fun and um it's expensive so it's uh awesome to have some some amazing supporters out there and everybody on patreon is supporting this and keeping this going and if you listen to this and you enjoy it you could either throw me a tip on the on the youtube like a little i don't know what they call that i think it's called a tip or something on there anyways or you can swing by patreon throw a buck at me a month or five bucks at me a month and get some stickers and a cool bottle opener and whatever else i got up there as part of the deal but honestly what it really comes down to is just helping support the channel and i really truly appreciate everybody out there and those of you that um have written a, a review over on apple Podcasts, right on every time i read those things make me stoked so i haven't checked this week i'm gonna wait till next week's episode and uh, see if anybody can write me a new one. Five-star five star review at Apple Podcasts. That would be awesome. If you could do that, it'd be sweet. If you don't want to do any of those things for free, you can go to Facebook or Instagram. Give me a follow. If you're watching on YouTube and you haven't subscribed, hit subscribe. It's pretty simple. Thumbs up if you enjoy the episode or any episode for that matter. And uh, all right, let's just go ahead and get started. <laughs> What's up, Aaron? <laughs> How's it going? Not Thank bad, man. Thanks so much for, for having me on. It's great to have a chat. Yeah, yeah, man. Like I was saying in the intro, man, I, I, I'm always blown away when I run into a channel that I've never heard of because it feels like a really small community. And then it's like, how did I not know about this dude? <laughs> I don't know. Trials writers kind of fly under the radar, I guess. It's a, yeah, it's but a I've had a couple thing. of trials guys. I've had Hans Ray on. I've had Jeff Lenoski. So it's like the legends. Yeah, I know. Right. <laughs> You're right there with them, man. You've been around for a while, huh? Yeah, I actually used to compete alongside Jeff and and rode with Hans, all that stuff way back in the day. Uh, when I was a lot younger, I'd ride trials and go to the, the Norba competitions and all that stuff when they were competing. And Jeff's actually the one who got me into doing trials demos back in the day. He put me uh -huh. on Schwinn and got me hooked up with frames and you know helped uh, get us onto the Vans Warp Tour to do demos. So my first kind of entry into the bike industry was all trials and doing demos and stuff like that. And then I picked up a camera and that kind of led me into making a lot of bike films and then eventually into 
a real job with Red Bull. So, um, yeah. you know, it just kind of escalated from there. But yeah, Jeff had a big hand in kind of getting me off and running. It's so weird hearing like I got sponsored by Schwinn. I remember like when I was talking to Jeff, it's just like such a, a name that now doesn't have the weight that it had back then. But I, I mean, you're pretty close in age to me. And I mean, Schwinn wasn't like a bad name back in the day. You know, it's kind of yeah. like saying mongoose now, like everybody in my generation wanted a mongoose. Like that was the bike to have. And now if you say mongoose, it's like, like Walmart, you know? <laughs> Yeah, it's definitely changed. I mean, the industry changes and and it's so interesting to see. I mean, uh, just how different brands have kind of gone back and forth. Sometimes you're, you know, at the peak and then other times you get gobbled up by a bigger company and a bigger company and, you know, you're back to square one again, as it seems. Um, yeah. it's, it's hard to stay on top, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. Apparently. I mean, unless you're like specialized, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They're like the Microsoft of bikes, bikes right now. But I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I guess they're probably no bigger than Schwinn was back in the day. You know? Yeah, Schwinn. I think uh, I don't remember exactly, but did they buy GT and then that didn't work out so well? And then it, then Pacific bought both of them. I forget how it went. It seemed like yeah. there was a, a bad deal done that tanked both of them. And yeah. uh, the, I mean, at the time, Steve Pete was riding for GT. Hans Ray, Jeff, Lenat, you know, like. Everybody yeah. was either riding for Schwinn or GT. And there were a lot of people that went a little while without, without a bike sponsor. And yeah. maybe that was like the great reshuffling, right. Of, of all the, of all the pros where they were consolidated on these two big, big factory teams and then didn't have a paycheck all of a sudden and had to go find new homes. And uh, I think PD went to orange at the time mm -hmm. and Jeff went to giant, which then giant developed the STP, which became sort of one of the, original dirt jump and street bikes so that wasn't mm -hmm. the worst thing that ever happened uh yeah maybe it ended up okay in the end but definitely yeah. not ideal if you were one of those like 20 or 30 factory riders i suppose yeah 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 the the biking like the industry as a whole i mean compared to back then it's really a different totally different landscape i mean you start you're starting to see at least from my perspective like trials is kind of making a comeback like dirt jumping in a sense to me is like, I don't know what we called it in the BMX days, but it was still like, like it all fell into BMX back then, you know, and you're starting to see that, that kind of get a little bit more like popular with younger kids. But I mean, when I was middle school, high school, like it was pretty much BMX and that just kind of like encompassed everything. Right. Whether it was like, you were like doing like, freestyle kind of trick stuff which i think kind of like led its way into trials and then or like bmx like like more like dirt stuff where you're kind of like we didn't really have pump tracks it was just like hey we go down this dirt trial trail and we hit this tabletop and like it, it's interesting to see like that that's coming back you know i think a lot of it has to do with just how accessible everything is now i mean i i got into trials for a couple of reasons, but really I kind of fell into it because I ran into somebody else who rode trials and they showed me this stuff in mm -hmm. person. And, mm -hmm. and it's not a very common thing that you could just do it back then. And, and same thing, people started riding BMX because it was the most accessible thing, but they would never have picked up 
flatland, for example, or, or dirt jumping on a mountain bike or, or even mountain biking for that matter, because it wasn't as accessible. Now yeah. everything is, you know, right in front of you and you can go on YouTube, you can watch a tutorial, you can learn all about this thing, or maybe you saw it on Instagram. You're like, what is this? Whereas before, yeah. I mean, we communicated by like magazines and VHS tapes. It was harder to get the word out or, or get something new in front of somebody. Whereas yeah. today you could be completely exposed to something you've never heard of before every single day and then choose if you wanted to go down that rabbit hole or not. So I think the resurgence or the growth of some of these things is sort of based on, you know, kind of the internet and the accessibility that we now have. But, you know, when you and I were growing up, that wasn't a thing. It was sheer luck that, that yeah. someone who rode in a different kind of riding style than me ran into me, borrowed my bike, showed me how to hop on my back wheel. And yeah. that was pretty much over for that <laughs> after that. Yeah. For me, like it was kind of just, um, BMX was like the way you got around. And then it was like, if you were one of those kids that just really like did it a lot, then you kind of just hung out with other kids that did that. And then it was, you know, naturally you're starting to do like jumping and stuff like that. And, you know, movies like rad came out and it was like, Oh my God. Yeah. I want to learn how to do that. Or, you know, and uh, I think with mountain biking, it was one of my mom's boyfriends that was into it, which is like, when I think back to like him being into mountain biking, like as it was just starting, that was kind of odd too. Like, he, you know what I mean? It wasn't, wasn't like there was a lot of people that were really into it. And uh, it, it was weird. Cause I like rode BMX during the week with my friends and my school friends. And then on the weekends I'd go like with these old dudes that are like probably younger than I am now, <laughs> you know, and go ride bikes with them. And uh, yeah, it's interesting. It's really, I mean, now they have like teams and stuff like that in middle school and high school. Yeah. It's so rad. Yeah. I spoke to Eric Porter earlier today and he was going to coach his kids mountain bike team at school. Um, what? Yeah. Like how, how is that? I would have killed to have something like that when I was yeah. in school. Instead I got made fun of it because I could have bought a car for that much money, you know, like yeah. all the kids in high school clowned me so hard for spending my money on a mountain bike instead of a car. Now it's like the cool thing is to have the sick mountain bike and be on the team and, you know, be doing the thing. Yeah. I met some kid like on the trail and he was like the only other person that was my age that rode mountain bikes. I mean, there was a bunch of people in school that had, uh, quote unquote, for those of you listening, mountain bike. What it was really like their parents went to Montgomery Wards or Sears and bought a mountain bike, but they weren't really into mountain biking like what I was doing with my friend with with these old guys, right? You know, actually going out in the woods and and riding trails. I guess we're you know we're kind of XC, you you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, yeah, one person that was all I knew. One guy, <laughs> quite a bit different now. I mean, yeah, right right Just so how'd you get into writing what was like what was it for you like initially back in the day i had a bunch of friends in high school that that got into it and kind of dragged me along uh and you know again this is like early days mountain bike action um old school mountain bike films tread retread and i just started riding with them but the problem was i was super tiny i i basically was the shortest kid in high school uh, and didn't really grow until college. So I never had any like the physical ability to ride and keep up with my friends, which was frustrating. Uh -huh. But I wanted to ride nonetheless, because I really loved riding with them. I loved riding. Uh, I grew up in Wisconsin, where there's actually quite a bit of cross country trails and stuff. Yeah, not a lot of downhill. 
uh, no. or dirt jumps really either. But, <laughs> but I would love to just go out and ride with them and be in the forest doing my thing. And uh, I, I wanted to keep up so bad, but just wasn't happening. And uh, I just kept riding and kept riding. And then we were on the, a family trip out to the West Coast. And I got to ride Washington for the first time on a mountain bike, which was pretty sick. I live in Oregon now, so I guess maybe that kind yeah. of, uh, you know, got me fired up for the West Coast. But I I was having a blast on the West Coast, and we stopped at a campground one night in Idaho, and I was riding around just in the campground, just kind of... Were you guys you know, on some kind of, like, road trip or something that you had your bike with you? Or Yeah. Yeah, my, my parents are both... Uh, they're both teachers, so every summer right. we'd do, like, a road trip for a week or two to some part of the country to, like go do educational things. Cause yeah, you know, that's what parents do. Right. Um, right. right. Especially, like, oh, yeah. I gotta go again. <laughs> <laughs> we did, we did some really cool stuff, but definitely it always, because they were teachers, it had to have an educational twist. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, right. <laughs> we ended up like pulling off of the motorhome totally random. Like it was not a planned stop. It was just like, Oh, let's stop here for the night. And uh, I think Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, and it was at a campground, KOA campground. And I was just rolling around on this bike. And this German kid comes up to me. He's like, hey, can I see your bike? I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? You know, and he starts hopping on the back wheel. And this is like, you know, uh, what was it? A GT. I forget the, the model name. I think it was a. Uh, anyways, it was a GT cross country bike with Anza bar ends, with suspension, with toe clips, like all this uh -huh. stuff. Yeah, and yeah. this guy gets on this bike that's very clearly not a trials bike and hops up and over a picnic table in front of me on my bike. Yeah, and I went to the full like Doctor Strange, like, teach me, you know, <laughs> uh, show me how to do that. And so he basically, you know, took a little time with me, showed me how to hop in the back wheel, hop in place. And then the rest of that two week vacation, every single time that the RV stopped, I would hop out with the bike and just practice hopping in place. And trying to get on my back wheel. So by the time I got home to Wisconsin to my friends, I could ride trials and they couldn't. Right. And so it was sort of like my equalizer, my advantage of like, oh, I've got this bike handling skill that no one else has. I'm yeah. just going to double down on this because there's no way I'm going to keep up with them when they try to go fast. But this yeah. is really fun and this is exciting. And, you know, it's kind of like problem solving on a bike. It's this uh -huh. super high level of bike control, but it's also like, how do I get from here to there? And what do I need to do to get there? So that element of it got me really excited about it. And then I don't know, I just kept doing it because it was fun. And then I yeah. met people like Jeff and Hans and, you know, you just get like adopted into this group and, and, uh, so how did you get to the point where you're meeting them? Like from like just showing off with your friends in Wisconsin, you know what I mean? Yeah. So back in the day, you might remember the Norba series, the national off-road yeah. bicycle association. It was a national event series and yeah. it had a stop in Red Wing, Minnesota. This is like 97, I want to say. Mm -hmm. And the trials was actually a discipline in, in the Norba series. In the early days of Norba, they actually made all the riders compete in all the disciplines, which is interesting oh, okay. because in that same era, we were locking up all the rainbow jerseys and winning all the world championships. And then when the, they stopped making them do that, it kind of went away. So I don't know, <laughs> just saying, I'm just saying. But they, <laughs> they made people like Johnny T and like all these riders that are like we know as like the top cross country and downhill riders. They were all competing in the trial stuff as well as dual solemn downhill cross country. Uh -huh. And so trials is always part of the Norba series. And so when it came to Minnesota, I like beg my parents, can I please go? I want to go to this event. I want to compete. And yeah. 
because it was on the national circuit, everyone was there and trials then as is now is still pretty small. So I got to meet, hang out with everybody. And, and then, you know, Jeff was back in green Bay, Wisconsin, like a year later for some demos. So I went to see him and I was like, remember me, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it just kind of snowballed from there. I continued going to more contests after that and, and started hanging out with everybody. And there was actually at the time a mailing list. So, there were a mailing list. Yeah. Like, <laughs> but this is like what, when email first came out, right? right so you right. would email this one address and some magic, it would send your email to every single person on the mailing list. And then you could reply to the thread and it would again email everybody on the mailing list. So you're getting like hundreds of emails a day, but right. it was always from trials riders and they were talking about bike stuff, technique, yeah. you know, mechanical stuff. It was it like, was like our, before they had a forum, it was yeah. just like, yeah just email everybody yeah just reply all here you go yeah and and so you know i connected to that super early on and met a ton of people and then it became this cool thing of like how many people from the mailing list can you meet in real life so you'd go to contests or there'd be rides set up in certain places and you'd be kind of like checking off your list of like aha i met this guy Uh, you know and it was cool like I, i think i probably I don't actually know, but I bet I probably met about 80% of the people from that list. And it's not just like a U.S. list. There were a lot of people in the U.K. that were on it and from all over the place. So it was a cool way to like connect with people. And that was kind of early days of everything. Uh, Yeah. It was was something special for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting. You know, it's definitely interesting like thinking about how like we approach life at that pointer or like at, at that age for us you know compared to like how kids do it now they're like yeah i game with this dude we're pretty good friends have you ever met him no where does he live malaysia you know like <laughs> totally <laughs> you know it's just like so weird like i have a like I've, I've done it for a long time so i'd say that we were a little more internet savvy than most people you know yeah. kind of a little sooner put it that way so like, I have a bunch of people that I've known for like 20 years that I've never met in person, you know, and we've had like helped each other out with jobs and like solving problems and all kinds of stuff. And it's like, yeah, how did I know that guy? I don't know. I met him playing some game or some forum that we used to chat on. You know what I mean? It's like, this is the crazy. future, man. This is like right. what it's, I guess, supposed to be all about. And yeah, so cool. I mean, I, I think if anything, it gives us it gives us a lot more appreciation for what we have now. The fact that you can go on discord or, or, you know, Instagram or YouTube or wherever and meet people and talk about the stuff that you love and connect with tons and tons of other people who, who care about the same thing. Like back in the day that took a lot more effort and I yeah. definitely appreciate every, every bit of it. Now it's so cool that it, yeah. this is how it is. It's, it's really cool to be able to have the access to, um, the creators you know in in a way that that is just impossible before you you know like somebody made a video you didn't know who that person was like unless they were like the star of the video right you know but most of the time like the people creating the videos weren't the 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 talent too you you know what i mean and so it's like now you, you have such an inside look into who that person is more than just like back then it was like, Hey, you watch some rad trials video or some BMX video or something like that. You, you didn't really get to know the person mm-hmm. you got to see like what they would do, 
but you didn't get to know the person. And now it's, I mean, you've been doing YouTube long enough. You have enough subscribers that you can relate with this is like people come up to you and they know, they know so much of you and you don't even know their name. You, you know what I mean? Like, like they really know you, like, how, how are you doing this? And how's this going? And like, how do you like the new car and blah, blah, blah. And you're like, dude, I don't even know who you are. You know, like, it's, it's kind of crazy. <laughs> It is pretty incredible. And, you know, I, I absolutely don't take it for granted. Like at Sea Otter this year, when people are coming up, I was, I'm still like pretty blown away when people come up, you know, I, I still yeah. get so, so excited and so encouraged. Cause I mean, you know, just as well as I do making, making videos is so much work and you put so much effort into every single thing and you overthink every element of it. And you work so hard to put yeah. out this five or six, seven minute piece and it took you days and days to put together. And it's a it's a really cool thing when when that happens, when somebody comes up and, and says, like, hey, keep up the good work. Like yeah. that doesn't happen. I was I was talking to my wife about this. I was like, imagine if somebody came up to you at your job and was like, Hey, you're you're like keep doing this. You're good at it. Like that would be <laughs> the best thing ever. Right. Uh, right. And, and and so every time that happens to me, I just like try to soak that in because it's like yeah. I know that it's sort of, you know, like people get a chance to like spend a lot of time listening to you and watching you and hopefully learning from you and stuff like that. Yeah. But still, it's like the best thing ever when it does happen. It's like I haven't yeah. gotten sick of it. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think you can. I think if anything, you, you get you grow like accustomed to like wanting that. I think that's the reason that you like you do it. You know, at the end of the day, like humans like to be like they like to feel good about what they're doing. Right. Mm -hmm. And like having somebody else come up and tell you like, Hey, you've influenced me or you've made some change in my life, or I really appreciate what you're doing. Like it feels good. And I think that's like a little drug that you kind of like, you're just like kind of chasing after. Yeah. At least for me, you know, I think the, the piece of advice for the, I was having a conversation with one of my friends who's, who's an artist and we were talking about, you know, what I was working on and everything. And, mm -hmm. and I was trying to really wrap my head around what I truly was, where I was supposed to take all this. Mm -hmm. And he asked me this question, which sounds a little woo woo, but he just said, how are you bringing dignity to the thing that you love? And that just hit me so hard of just like, mm -hmm. I know exactly what I need to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and every single time someone comes up and says something, it reinforces like, okay, I'm, I'm doing exactly that. I'm bringing dignity to this thing that I love. And yeah. it helps me put all that effort right back into it and like carry that momentum, you know? Uh-huh. When you started um, your, I mean, you, you let's take, I'm, I'm about to jump way, way too far in the future here. Let's go back to, you said something earlier that you picked up a camera and things changed for you. Mm -hmm. What, um, what was, what was that like, it, that experience with the camera? So I was in college and I got this roommate who was super into, you know, computers just in general. And mm -hmm. he was like, Hey, I got this software that we can like shoot and edit videos. And at that time I'd been riding trials for quite some time. And I was, I was somewhat known on campus as like, Oh, the bike guy, you know, cause yeah, I would always yeah. be riding around campus and like hopping on stuff and jumping off stuff. And yeah. I rode a lot because I was in college and that's what I did with all my free time. And right. so when this guy moved in with me, he's like, Oh, you're the bike guy. Like, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so he's like, I could come with you and we could film stuff and then we could edit it. I was like, oh, that, that would be really cool. Like, let's do it. And, yeah. and in the back of my head, I'd always kind of wanted to learn how to do the editing stuff and to put stuff together. 
And he basically taught me how to use the program. And we would always go out and film as much as we could on campus and then put little edits together to the point where we eventually made this like video magazine. It was called Match Video Zine. This is way back in the day. Mm -hmm. In fact, the first three video zines were on VHS. So that totally oh, dates nice. me. And yeah, then we yeah. made another five or six on DVD after that. But that how did you get like what were you filming with? Like a camcorder? Yeah, yeah, we had was just like, like a mini DV cam, you know. It was digital then, so you could just easily easily put it onto a computer to edit it then. Uh, it was still tape, so the mini oh, okay. DV tape was like a little tape. Like, yeah, yeah, that, I remember that one. Yeah. yeah, so you'd have to digitize it, which was interesting. You'd have to like watch it, set your in and out points, then digitize it into the computer, and then you could put it on the editing timeline. It's not yeah, like yeah. now where I just plug in my SD card. Right, right, you know? right. Yeah, I, I, I've been thinking, I've thought about that because I, I got into you know, editing just not too long ago. So to me, I have no idea how people did it back in the day. You yeah. know what I mean? Like it was way so harder. <laughs> yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Like if you ran out of tape, you know, you'd have to like rush to Best Buy and get like a six right. pack of these tapes. And if you, if you were filming, cause what would re what would happen a lot was you'd be filming and then someone would do something sick and then you'd want to watch it back and see how the footage came out. But yeah. the problem is there is a thing called a time code. So in a, in a, in a tape like that, it would go zero in and count the seconds and all that stuff and count right. the frames. Well, if you, if you watch that clip back and then you went past when it had recorded, it would reset the timer to zero. So oh, if you didn't have one continuous thing, you could have a bunch of breaks so that when you were putting that video back into the computer, you could only uh, law it's called logging and capturing. You could only log yeah. that window. So if you had yeah. a lot of breaks, it was yeah. really tedious to like put all this stuff in. Yeah. Uh, these are old school problems. You don't have to worry about right. any of this stuff now. You yeah, just airdrop yeah. it in or whatever. Right, but right. That was a huge pain in the butt because you'd be excited that somebody threw down a hammer. You'd yeah. want to watch it, but then it would totally screw up your footage. So yeah, uh, yeah a lot has definitely changed since I started editing uh <laughs> yeah. yeah definitely so so he teaches you how to use this program and then um it was off to the races yeah yeah you're just fully like, fully committed yeah and what i just going to school for uh journalism so okay. i like so kind of went together then sort of yeah and yeah. you know i was riding with all these pro riders like jeff and everybody else so it made sense for me to just bring a camera along and film it and then edit it and make little videos. And that was uh -huh. at the time when mountain biking was kind of figuring out free riding. Mm -hmm. So we basically got a chance to see, you know, the first guys doing 360s off drops and bar spins and all the first round of slope style stuff. A lot of those guys actually started out as trials riders or could ride trials or whatever. And I had this like overlap of people, you know, like guys like Aaron Chase were kind of coming in and riding with guys like Jeff. And we all just kind of got together. And so I had a, front row seat to the progression of free ride mountain biking at that point right and just kept filming and filming got involved with dh productions which had done the chain reaction series worked for him for a while moved to pennsylvania lived like right down the street from woodward and right. uh, and just Where like in pennsylvania yep yeah, in um uh uh, uh springfield of 
I forget. Uh, yeah. Spring Mills, I think. I don't know. Either way, it was somewhere yeah. in Pennsylvania. Yeah, I'm from Pennsylvania originally. That's why. Oh, I'm... yeah. Oh, oh, just outside of State College. So. Oh, okay. So up in like... the northern northern part of the northeastern part of the state. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I lived okay. in a really really weird apartment out there, but uh, I'm pretty sure it was haunted, <laughs> like properly. Haunted. Oh, everything's haunted back there, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's anything that's not. Oh man. <laughs> um, there's some weird shit in Pennsylvania, man. It's yeah. So, like... I'll, I'll say. But, you know, I, I wouldn't trade that move. It was I got to ride with everybody, got to hang out with everybody firsthand. It was so much easier to get to anywhere I wanted to be on the East Coast. That's where I yeah. met Eric Porter and he and I became, you know, close friends after that. And and so I got a chance to, like, really meet everybody and build these relationships and, and get to know everybody on the East Coast really well while I was out there mm -hmm. and then uh, moved out to the West Coast in uh, 2005. So somewhere along the line, you start, you start like making movies, like legit movies or how yes. that happened. So it was a little bit of everything. So I was making these DVDs, you know, we did the summer of shred series, I helped on with a bunch of his, uh, DH production stuff, helped chase and all those guys film, and then started doing a lot of kind of one-off content. So this is before YouTube existed. We would work with companies like FSA. It was like FSA gravity, you know, that, that thing that Porter had kind of started up over there. And I worked with them to make branded content of the riders that they would then put on their website. Like it would be directly in their website, not on yeah, YouTube yeah. link. Yeah, there was no other host, basically. You had to be, host your own videos, yeah. Yeah, it'd be like a flash player of just that clip. So I started making all these videos because it was like, well, you can pay this much money to have a one-page ad in a magazine that someone's going to flip through in a second. Or you could pay me the same amount of money and I'll make you a three minute thing that people are going to see and we'll post it on Pinkbike, we'll put it on your website, we'll put it wherever. Yeah. And so I had a pretty good little thing going for a while there where I was doing a lot of branded stuff before branded content was really like a proper thing before you could yeah. just go to YouTube and all that. Right. And I ended up on, I ended up going to a Red Bull event in Italy and I was at the media dinner or whatever. And I was sitting across from this guy, Raymond DeLue. And he owned a website called Freecaster. And Freecaster at the time was doing a lot of like, like if Clay Porter came out with a movie, his trailer would be on Freecaster. But it was like every sport, BMX, mountain bike, motocross, mm -hmm. you name it. It was all like action sport. This is like the best content is on here. Yeah. And so I got to know Raymond there at that event. And he asked me if I'd be interested in working on some projects with him. And the thing that we started with was the UCI live stream. So before you could go to Red Bull TV to watch the UCI, it was originally on Freecaster. So we actually hired Rob Warner and we actually did all of that stuff to get the UCI live streams going. We were the first ones to do it. And yeah. uh, I think Red Bull, you know, they like cherry picked the stuff they liked from it and and right. made it to what it was. But uh, that's that's how he and I started. So I kind of pivoted from doing, you know, mountain bike DVDs to now live streaming of the World Cup series. And I got mm -hmm. to travel around filming all of the track walks and interviews and all that kind of stuff. The World Cups for a while, which was so when you were filming all that stuff, were you just filming or was it, were you having to do editing, too, or? Yeah, everything, editing and filming. And yeah, you were I, like full on, I guess you would call it video, video, videographer, you know, like, yeah, you were doing all the things. 
it was it was a really wild time because you would be running up and down the mountain all day filming and then you go back to the hotel room while everybody else was having dinner and you'd just be editing away so that it would upload overnight and then the next morning everyone would see it and then you'd go rinse and repeat all weekend yeah. so i would just fly to europe do this thing and then get on the flight home and just like pass out because yeah. i'd just been going so hard all weekend just like trying to put out as much content for that race as we possibly could right because uh, you're trying to make it happen as like real time as possible yeah and then of course we had the live stream on top of that so this was all like shoulder content supplemental content that went mm -hmm. along with the the live streams yeah like highlight reels and stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah it was right a really, really really fun time so i'm sure uh, it was pretty probably pretty intense too i mean yeah yeah, yeah there were some pretty really interesting moments um one of the one of the like most intense ones was when uh g atherton won the world champs it was uh -huh. in uh, val de sol and rachel atherton had the microphone so i was filming and she was interviewing everybody as they came off the hot seat basically that mm -hmm. day and she had won the world champs earlier that day and so she was interviewing everybody and it was like really nice and friendly and whatever well that was the year if you remember sam hill crashed out in the last corner and steve pete was sitting in the hot seat and steve pete hadn't won his world championship yet so it was like oh man it's happening like this might be the year we've been waiting 20 years for steve pete to win the world title like this could yeah. be it and and everybody thought this was it everybody's all fired up but she atherton is you know qualified first and he comes down and just blazes through and takes the world title and you see pd just like <laughs> you know his hopes dashed and rachel yeah. looks at me like do I really have to interview Steve Pete right now? Like, you know, I want to go give my brother a big hug. Do yeah. I really need to go like ask Steve how he feels about being second place for like the hundredth time in a row? And it was like, <laughs> kind of, yeah, like this is, this is the one we need this interview. Yeah. And, and, and on to his credit, he was so gracious in, and yeah. obviously we know he won the world champ a year or two later, but uh, that was definitely like a pretty tense moment in terms yeah, of holding, yeah. holding the camera, you know? Yeah, yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, it's pretty. It's, it's. I'm sure it's very interesting. Like looking back on some of that stuff and actually being able to look at the footage because, um, I'm sure when you're in the moment, it's really hard to take it in. Like, like recently, I was shooting some pictures of my friend doing a jump, and um, like he wiped out. I could hear him wipe out. You know, but you don't see it because you're like framing the shot and you're like maybe standing somewhere where you can't really see what's going on. And like, I didn't really get to take that whole thing in until later when I'm like sitting in front of my computer looking at the pictures in Lightroom. You, you know what I mean? So like, I would imagine for you for like years of doing some of these things where it's like maybe going back and watching those videos or talking about it, it's like actually gets you to, to be able to live it a little bit. Yeah, it's 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 fun. It's a little surreal to say like I was at the World Champs. I was there in PD one. I was literally standing right next to him. And it, yeah, like if you watch the documentary on PD, you know, he like bumps my camera on the way up to raise his hands, and I'm like, is that me? Is that actually you know? It's, <laughs> I don't know. It's it feels very surreal to to have been part of that that yeah. thing. I was not a racer ever, and yeah. I I always felt totally out of place there and you know hanging out with rob warner arguably one of the most famous and uh gregarious racers of all time and i'm just like this quiet dude holding the camera behind him you know it's just it was yeah i felt it felt weird but i'm i'm glad i went through with it <laughs> right so how do you get to a point that then you're working for red bull at that point 
or yeah i uh you know so so raymond the guy that started freecaster was actually the original athlete marketing manager at red bull so he was the guy that came up with like the idea of the helmets should be blue and silver and like all these other like elements that we know today is like tennis yeah. and athlete marketing and so we did a lot of stuff with Red Bull when I was at Freecaster and I got to know lots of people, but I also got to know the people back home because I'd be home and I'd be editing still nonstop and they would give me Red Bull and stuff. And so I got to know them pretty well. And I came back from one trip and one of the guys called me and said, like, hey, uh, there's been a big restructure at Red Bull. You should apply. I think you'd be really good for for one of these roles. I, I think you should like put your name in the hat. And I'd mm -hmm. always kind of looked at Red Bull and tried to be like a student of the brand. Like this brand yeah. is doing something really special and I see what they're doing and I'm a part of it because I'm at these events and I'm working with their people on the ground. And, and I, you know, they were just starting off media house at that point. So I'd actually seen a lot of this stuff developing in real time. And it's really interesting how they got to be the company that they are, because it doesn't like, if you really, if you just sit down and have the, like, say the sentence, like, this sports energy, not even sports drink, this energy drink became like the action sports go-to company for the world. You know, like it doesn't yeah. even make any sense. Yeah. You know, I think, uh, I think they saw uh, maybe, I mean, I'm just speculating, but I think they saw a lot of underappreciated assets, you know, mm -hmm. skateboarding at the time, BMX, mountain bike, all these things like weren't really truly appreciated and sponsored in the way that, you know, all these other sports were so it was an easy market to jump into and put resources into and and uh but but the stuff they were doing you know base jumping and doing double yeah. backflips and all these different things uh it definitely got people's attention so what a clever way to get your brand out in in front of people at, at the time yeah. that was a really rare thing to do these projects that were interesting that were you know sort of newsworthy things and these were these people were capable of putting those projects together because that was endemic to their sports yeah that original marketing guy was a freaking genius you know what i mean like nobody else anybody could have done that yeah you, you know what i mean like any product could have backed those sports and then been a household name for the you know because of that and uh an energy drink is the one that did it. You know? I mean, it, it matches, right? Like it totally, like you need energy to do these things. Like it yeah. makes total sense. And they had the right, you know, thing and to really like capitalize on and do cool things. And, you know, uh, to this day, I mean, those athletes rely on the actual product itself to get the job done in a lot of cases. Uh, yeah. So I don't know. It's, it's kind of like a cool way that they thought about putting it together and obviously built the right marketing program to get it done. And, you know, there's a lot of other elements that are sort of behind the scenes that make it like even more impressive. True. Yeah. Um, but so uh, you throw your name in the hat and then what happens? Yeah. Yeah. So I got hired pretty much like, just like he said, and, yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and started there and I was at Red Bull for 12 years and the first six, five or six of it, I was doing more like field marketing, like a little bit of everything. So athlete marketing, event production, um, culture marketing, which is like music-based stuff, uh, mm -hmm. collegiate stuff, really like the full gamut of everything that Red Bull does, I had a hand in. And I was based in Northern California, so I lived in the Bay Area, and we did everything from Tahoe all the way down to Fresno. And mm -hmm. it literally, like, athletes, events, music, 
any kind of event that you saw that had a Red Bull, like Fluke Talk, all that stuff. That was me and my team mm -hmm. putting that together. So right. I got a chance to do a ton of different things. And then I moved up to Portland and switched into this athlete manager role. And the athlete manager role at Red Bull is very much like about kind of scouting, signing, and then supporting athletes where you find talent before they become world champions. You yeah. give them the support that they need to become a world champion, and then you celebrate with them when they do. But right, really, right. like you get to go on this journey with all these different athletes in all these different sports. And yeah. You know, they, they have such a cool track record of, of being able to support athletes to get to that point, you know, from the high performance program and from everything else that they do project wise to give these athletes what they need. It was a, it was a cool place to be like the conduit between, you know, the brand and the athletes specifically, because they really prioritize the athletes and take really good care of them and, and try to, yeah. you know, help them along. So it was cool. to they still do that or. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's there's like seven or 800 athletes globally that are, that are working with Red Bull and, and getting that level of support. So it's, that's uh, interesting. it's really cool. Like the stuff they do, I mean, stuff that's not even necessarily for public, just, Hey, this is important for this athlete to, they need this and we're going to help them do this. Even if we don't get media coverage out of it, this is something mm -hmm. that's going to help them down the line, or we're going to help build them up or help give them a better understanding of, you know, this, this, or this, uh, mm -hmm. it was really cool to see just the, 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 the depth that, that rebel could go to, to help these people out. Yeah. 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 It is really interesting. So you worked with them for quite some time. Um, somewhere along the line, you decide you, you want to start doing YouTube. I, I looked at your account and said you opened your account in 2011, but that doesn't necessarily mean you started. Making <laughs> content. So, uh, what, how did how did the YouTube thing come about? Was the was the account just originally for like watching cat videos or? <laughs> well, so I I had just like a, a YouTube account just like everybody else, um, yeah. just for posting some riding videos of you know trial stuff that we'd film for fun and and all that kind of stuff, but never never with the intention of doing anything other than just like sharing stuff with friends. It was like just yeah, a yeah. place to drop stuff and be like, oh, here's the link if you want to look at yeah. it. And, yeah, and um, I. I was talking to Eric Porter about this. He's like one of my best friends and has been helping me through this whole thing. And, and, you know, we've been working together on bike videos since the dawn yeah. of time, basically, you know, we've been all over the world together yeah. and, um, you know, he's a good dude. I had him on the show just a couple episodes ago. Yeah. Yeah. I listened yeah. to that one. It's a good one. All right. On. Um, I was going to, I was going to chime in. We have a, a mutual friend named Franklin that I was going to have you tell a story about, but we'll save that for another time. Right. Uh, so anyways, so, so Porter and I were talking and, and uh, I was kind of in the beginning of the pandemic, I was kind of, you know, I was at home. My wife was still working at the clinic. We had two little kids and I was spending a lot of time, you know, taking care of them as well as working. And uh, I was starting to go a little, I needed a, I needed a project. And mm -hmm. Porter was like, man, like you, you used to do all this video stuff. And, and, uh, you know, since you got a Red Bull, like you have, you know, production crews to do all that stuff, but like, m you know, maybe you want to get back into it. Like, and that was right as he was like completely taking off with the Porter MTB channel. Mm -hmm. And so I was watching him do that thing. And like, that would be really fun to, to be able to tell stories and to be able to share stuff. And, and so I kind of started playing with it a little bit and then kind of hit on this idea of like, yeah, you know, the thing that I could do that I don't see a, a ton of is I could teach people how to ride trials. Like I could, I could put together some, some tutorials, some basics. And, and uh, so I started by kind of brushing off the dust because I hadn't ridden trials in a little while. 
I brushed the dust off my bike and I had this goal like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to break my old record. It was like 38 and a half inches over a bar. I'm going to break that record. And that'll be the first thing I do. I'm just going to work on, you know, capturing that. And then I'll, uh-huh. I'll figure out what to do. And it took quite a while, like to take the dust off to get back to that yeah. level. So I figured in the meantime, I should maybe do some other tutorials and stuff before I told that story about breaking my record. So I did uh-huh. a handful, like a track stand tutorial. I did uh, a gapping tutorial, a couple other like, you know, things and, and started getting the ball rolling. And then people started coming in and be like, Oh, I haven't seen a trials tutorial. Like this is helpful. Thank you. Yeah. And so I started making more and more tutorials and Porter, I had met Seth before, but Porter put me in touch with Seth and uh-huh. Seth spent two or three hours with me on the phone, just answering all my questions, giving me good insight helping me think about things. And one of the last things that we talked about was kind of the future. And I said, you know, the one thing I really want to do at some point is get like a space. I want to have a space because right now I'm dodging the rain in Portland. I'm dodging, you know, all these different things to try to make videos. And it's kind of frustrating. And I just want to have a consistent place where I can make video content. So I'm thinking about Mm -hmm. like, it'd be cool to have a little studio or something where I could build stuff to ride and then film tutorials on it. Seth is like, you should do that right now. Just go right now and do that. That sounds amazing. And you would de- like, you won't regret it. Go make that right now. And at the uh-huh. time I had like 300, maybe 400 subscribers. So, oh, wow. Yeah. All right, Seth, if you say so, you know, thankfully I had a full-time job, so it wasn't like right. whatever, but I went and found this space, like a thousand square feet. And I looked at a couple different places and I'm like, I think this is it. It's just like a, you know, there's like a thousand square feet. There's like a little bathroom in the corner and that's it. Just a garage door. And, uh, we call it the shred spot. And I just started building stuff in there. And then every time I built something, I would do a tutorial of what you would do to ride that particular piece. So how to ride up and onto this and how to jump across this and how to balance Uh on this. And the shred spot just kind of became my home for making content. And it was this consistent place that I, the lighting was always going to be the same. The bikes could stay there. So got them yeah. out of our basement, which my wife was really happy about. Right. And, uh, and I could just be consistent with like putting out content. Well, and so, the thing about trials too, is like, that's enough space to do what you need to do. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? It's not like, like, Hey, I want to film mountain bike content in my backyard. I need like 300 acres. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. Like, like, uh, uh, you know, Fortunately, you know, Seth has some, some property that he can, he's, he's made a big set, you know, but not, that's not like economical for everybody, but to be able to go like get a, a a garage space to do trials is like, okay, I can do that. I can have a proper session in there. And, and the thing is now I'm working on a lot of mountain bike based tutorials because what trials really is trials is just bike handling at the highest level. It's Mm -hmm. just like the ultimate control of what you do with your front wheel, the ultimate control of what you do with your back wheel, how your, your body, you know, and and your weight on the bike makes the bike do different things. And so actually what I'm trying to do now is, is do a lot of mountain bike tutorial because the basics that get you to this advanced level are actually something that you could master in a garage or a driveway or out in front of your house or whatever, or Mm -hmm. the trailhead for that matter. You don't need to have a mile's worth of trail to do anything other than maybe a wheelie or a really epic manual. Everything yeah. else you can learn. I can teach you how to do a drop-off 
in a six foot space if I needed to, because it's just yeah. this one motion. And so I'm, I'm kind of using the space now to get into those mountain bike basics because we can teach you that stuff in that place. It's like a laboratory now, like, Oh, right. we can break all this stuff down to the basics because, you know, I did a video about switchbacks, but actually the, the move for switchbacks is the front wheel pivot, which is really basic trials maneuver. So it's yeah. kind of interesting how, how these trials basics that we've been teaching are applicable to mountain biking. And what I'm trying to do is put these two together because I get it. A lot of people are like, Oh, I don't want to get a, a trials bike. I don't want to mess up my mountain bike. I don't want to like, you know, be a well, that dude rider. back in 1990, whatever showed you, you could do it on a mountain bike. So <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, so I'm, I'm totally on that program. Like I'll show you how to do this stuff because it's helpful. I, you know, nowadays you can buy power. You can just put your, you know, get an e-bike and you'll have power. You don't have to train in a gym every single day to be strong enough to pin it up mountains, but you can't buy technique you have to spend the time actually working on it. Yeah. That's the thing at the end of the day. I mean, if you want to learn how to do something, you have to put the time in and yeah, I mean, like you were talking about hopping around on your back wheel, probably around that same time in my, my life. It was like, I kind of, we, we were, we were, we were all, we were poor. So like my mom was always like lying about where we lived so that I, I could go to a school that wasn't like horrible. Mm -hmm. You know, and so because of that, um, it'd be like, hey, I got to walk a couple miles from where the bus stop is to actually like get to where we live or whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. So there was not really any of my school friends around where I live. And I spent a lot of time playing hacky sack because but it was like that was the thing. It's like I'd go out in this like parking lot outside of the apartment that we lived in and I'd spend like three hours trying to like see if I could get to like 50 hits before it hit the ground. You know, and like, then it was like, whatever it was, you know, and like, and it, it, the only way you would get better is by actually just trying and trying and trying and failing. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, I didn't realize it at the time, but I was actually like learning a really important life lesson where it was like, yeah, you have to put the time in. Like your friends would then see you and they'd be like, dude, how do you do that? And they'd kick it twice and then send it across the room, you know, <laughs> like, but is the same thing, you know, even with like riding today, it, it's like, how do I get better at X? Mm -hmm. I go and do it over and over and over again, you know? Yeah. Practice makes progress, right? Yeah. Like you yeah, have to, crazy. you have to put in that time. And, you know, when I, when I started riding, I would get VHS tapes and I'd have to hit, you know, pause, 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 and go frame by frame to try to figure out what these guys are doing. Now you can go on super rider or wherever, and you can learn this stuff. And, and a big chunk of what I'm trying to do with the mountain bike stuff specifically is break it down to this really basic level of like, I know this is the thing you're trying to accomplish. Here's the one thing we're going to work on today. That's going to actually unlock these three things. Cause what a trials rider does, is they take a skill and they break it down to all these tiny bits. And then they just yeah. work on each bit one at a time until that is muscle memory and it's good to go. And then you add in the next one and the next one. And yeah, it does take a long time to put all those bits together. But what I'm doing is just taking that one bit out. Like, Oh, do you want to learn how to learn how to do drops and pedal up onto stuff. Guess what? It's actually the same thing. It's a wheelie and it's just the starting bit of the wheelie. So let's just work on how we move our hips from the front of the bike to the back of the bike. Cause that's 
the secret sauce. It's not about yeah. yanking up with your arms. It's just this one unwaiting motion. And when you start to unlock it with all the insights that we've gotten over the years as trials writers, this stuff starts to become actually really easy so people can apply it quickly. Yeah. So that's kind of that type of video that you make is always uh, amazing to me. I will listen to somebody explain something that I've been doing for 15 years. And it's like, it's amazing to me that I'm, I have zero idea that that's what I'm doing until <laughs> I hear somebody like you explain it. And I'm like, yeah, that is what I'm doing. Cause I'm one of those guys that if I try to teach somebody, I'm like, yeah, just get on there and then hop. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, just hop. <laughs> like, you know, just like how like a bunny <laughs> dude i don't know man <laughs> you know like i'm so bad at, at like breaking it down but whenever i hear somebody like you like oh well you're dropping your your heels and you're doing this and you're like i'm like yeah i am doing that <laughs> so i i uh, i commend you like it's definitely um a special talent to be able to like break things down in that in that way and then also like make it digestible for people. That's actually entertaining. Like, I mean, for me, I, I watched that, um, that switchback video you were talking about and it's like, I know how to ride a switchback, but I still watched that video cause it was entertaining, you know? Awesome. So that was cool. <laughs> yeah. And you know, I, I really lucked out in, in sort of the beginning because when I got the, the keys to the warehouse, the, the first thing I did other than building the boxes was set up an internet connection. And what I did for the first year in that warehouse, we're going on year three right now in the, in the shred spot. And the first year specifically, I did uh, two live streams twice a week. And mm -hmm. so every Tuesday and every Thursday, I would go to the warehouse at five o'clock in the morning and I would do a live stream from like six o'clock until eight or, you know, around that. Mm -hmm. And people would come into the live stream. We did it on Twitch at the time, then switched to YouTube at one point. Mm -hmm. But people would come in from all over the world and they were they were there because they saw the channel. They were learning trials from the YouTube channel and it was a chance for us to communicate. And a lot of times I would film tutorials while I was on the live stream and I would have this group of like 10, 15, 20 people saying like, hey, what about this part? Like, can you talk about this part specifically? And they they kind of forced me to go back to that beginner's mindset to really think about all of the other elements because it's yeah. easy, like you were saying, like, oh, you just do this, you know, and yeah. stuff that's been muscle memory for so long. Like, do I use my shoulders when I do this? Do I yeah. use my knees? Oh, I guess I do use my knee when I move yeah. my front wheel. And so they they kind of forced me by asking all those questions to to really think and, and really even even further dissect what I was doing and how I was talking about stuff and how I was explaining things and and would give me suggestions and stuff. So that crew, I. I owe a huge debt of gratitude because they really helped me get even sharper with how I was talking about the stuff I was doing and how I was thinking about that kind of stuff. And yeah, it was incredibly helpful. That live stream was, was all time. Yeah. I can imagine just cause um, I, I know over the last couple of years, there's been a few people that we introduced to the sport and, and trying to teach somebody and getting past my own like issues that I was joking around about a minute ago. It's like, like really being able to remember like how intimidating this stuff is or like how much it is to like, like for me to pedal down a trail and think about dropping my dropper and repositioning my feet because I know one downstroke is going to hit that rock that I can see 50 yards from now. Like, 
And at the same time, I'm breaking and switching my gear. Like I'm, I'm doing all those things and I'm not even thinking about any of them. You know, all I'm thinking about is like, man, I wish I could go faster. <laughs> you know, like, I'm, I'm going slow as hell today, you know, or something like that, you know? And, and uh, to them, it's like, they're like, I'm just trying to keep my feet on the pedals. And now you want me to like drop the dropper. And like, you're saying I have to break with two hands and like, you know, it's, it's really uh, easy for us to forget. And so to have like that audience like that, to be able to, to like essentially teach you how to be a beginner again. That's, that's, that's awesome. And yeah. plus like when you're starting your channel, I, 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 um, I had a, I think when YouTube first started doing the, the live stream stuff, like I, I used to do a lot of live streams. It's actually what made this podcast happen. And, um, it's just really fun interacting with your people. Like it, it really is. Yeah. Yeah. I honestly, I mean, the crew that we've got and we've, we've kind of migrated to this discord channel where we can all still kind of stay together. And I've since actually removed the, the, the internet. It was really expensive to have fast enough internet to do live streams in that warehouse. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the times now I'm just going in there and firing out videos as you know, work and life and all these other things have kind of filled in and I'm just working as fast as I can to, to stay consistent with content. But I really yeah. miss doing that. And, and the discord is where we've kind of all stayed in touch. And now everybody's making their own videos and I'm watching their videos and watching their content. Cause everybody's kind of come up a lot in the beginning yeah. of those live streams. They were, you know, beginner intermediate riders. And now they're like making actual videos and it, it's awesome to see, you know, the, the progression of, of everybody, whether they're on mountain bikes or trials bikes or whatever, Yeah, to be able to see that is even more rewarding. Like we were talking about before when people come up to you and say, what up, but to, to see somebody actually progress, to see an unlock happen. I mean, yeah, that's, that's the coolest. Yeah. I used to, um, the very first email address that I ever made was a hotmail address and, you know, even back then it was still a pain in the ass to like find something that wasn't used. So my first email address was, was smear three because obviously you had to have a number. And, uh, <laughs> and my friend was like, why, why smear? And I said, I just, that's all I want to leave in the history books is like just a little, <laughs> just a little smear, you know? And I feel like YouTube is like actually letting that dream come true. It's like, a way that I, I can personally feel like I've had an effect, like, like a positive effect on people in my life and like, like way out, like, like a much bigger, like span of people than I would have ever been able to before. And that actually is like, I think what I enjoy about it the most is that, that, that ability to do that, you know, mm -hmm. it's just, um, it's really cool, man. It's really, really cool to like, help people or like to influence people, you, you know, I don't know. To me, it's just, I, I just think it's, it's, it's really, it's really rad. And it's like, I mean, we're not, I, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, like I said at the beginning, it's not like I'm rolling in the YouTube money someday. That would be great. But for right now, it's really, it's just passion. I mean, there, there's really no other reason to keep doing this other than passion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and, for me, I think too, the, the other thing I'd say is just, it's a really great learning experience to be on here and, and to be doing what we're doing. I'm learning yeah. so much about everything, video production, yeah. storytelling, you know, strategy, you know, all these things that 
I'm looking for to make my channel better and better and to make it yeah. more effective and make it reach as many people as we possibly can to help as many people as we possibly can. I'm on the hunt to try to find that next little bit of knowledge. that's going to help me, you know, grow. And yeah. I think, and I think that's really kind of everybody's purpose on YouTube in one way or another is like, how do I grow in one way, yeah. shape or form? And so I'm here to figure out how do I, how do I get better at all the things that I, that I like and how do yeah, I, I think it's, I think there's like a couple aspects to it. You know, there's that there's the creative part. Like, obviously like you have to be a creative person because that's like one of those things, you know, what makes an artist paint or painter paint. Right. You know, he like, he just wants to create. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think that's part of it for me too. But yeah, I think you tapped on something there too. I didn't really think about is that I really enjoy learning things. And it's like always why I'm curious to like, I bought a 3d printer like a year ago. I knew what was going to happen. It was like a fucking rabbit hole, right? <laughs> but I knew that was like, that was the honest to God reason why I held off on buying it. Cause I knew as soon as I bought it, it's going to be like, here I go. Mm -hmm. like, and, and, uh, but, but it's really, that, that's, you know, once again, it's like, it's really enjoyable. It's the same thing with YouTube. Like you were saying, it's like, I didn't know how to use a camera more than pushing a button. You know, my first GoPro that I bought, I thought, okay, I'm gonna push this button and then I'm gonna make these videos. I'm gonna be like famous. And uh, and then I like take the thing out of the box and it's like, okay, what frame rate? And I'm, what the hell are they talking about? <laughs> frame rate? Okay, you know, spend, spend a day trying to figure that out. And then it's like, all right, white balance. <laughs> like, no, uh, uh, there's another one there's more settings <laughs> yeah you're like oh my god yeah what is no. this 4k all about uh, yeah yeah, yeah. What's, the, what's the stat like 98 percent of all gopro footage never leaves the camera or something i wouldn't doubt it i mean honestly as a as a creator i i want to say that it was uh boostmaster that had a video on like how to make youtube videos and his like advice, I think was the best advice I've ever heard. And it was just post something like just make a video. Yeah. Cause for me, like I was doing like what you were saying. I mean, I, I started filming all this stuff, but I, I got so stuck in trying to make an edit good that I wasn't making an edit, you know, mm -hmm. at least for you, you had some experience. So like, what was that? Like your first, your first episode, like your first thing you uploaded to your channel to like when you were like okay i'm gonna do this for real i think it's actually really frustrating when you do have the background because <laughs> you know i went from producing uci live streams and working on red bull video projects to then being like a channel with 10 subscribers and <laughs> i you know i didn't have i'd never had to worry about thumbnails i never had to worry you know because it said red bull underneath it people would just automatically click, click on it so it didn't right. really you didn't have that same level of like starting from zero and right. So you, I, you would make a video and it's like, boom, 500,000 people watched it. You're like, yeah, exactly. I so to go, <laughs> to go back down to like, Oh cool. Like 15 people watched this video today. Like it was <laughs> humbling for sure. And yeah. it only motivated me to learn more. And you know, that was it. It was all about learning as much as I possibly could. And it, it motivated me a lot to really dig into all the different things that I need to be doing correctly. And, you know, we've all been lucky that people have helped us out along the way, like Seth and Porter have been huge help along the way to just mm -hmm. help guide me in the right direction, help help me think about things in a different way that would be successful in, in the end and mm -hmm. just get to that point 
of being able to produce good content that people would actually want to watch. I remember one time talking to Seth and I was like, Hey, my CTR is this, my, this is that. And Seth was like, dude, just make good content. Don't worry about that stuff. Just make yeah. good stuff. And those two really helped me like keep my head on straight while I was making all this stuff because they kept me grounded. They made me, you know, like accountable to the things that I said I was going to do and, and really guided me along. And I think about the amount of time that they both invested into guiding me, especially Porter, poor guy. Uh, I owe him big time because he spent mm -hmm. so many hours with me on the phone just talking through all these different things. And, you know, both of us have this goal of just making useful content that is doing something positive and helping mm -hmm. people out and inspiring people to get on their bikes and ride. And it's awesome to have people like that in your life who you can talk to about that level of stuff, because not everybody does YouTube videos. Not everybody yeah. puts hours and hours and hours every single week into staring at their screen and, and making these things and posting them yeah. and starting all over from scratch again. You know, it's, it's a, it's a rare kind of person that, that nerds out on that level, not just about bikes, but then to another whole level of yeah. how do I not only do bikes, but then like, you know, make content about bikes and then make content about bikes that people want to watch and, right. and we'll, we'll find useful and, and maybe even share with somebody, you know? Right. Right. We're like, Hey, let's take an expensive for sport and see if we can make it more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Let's make it more difficult. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm not only thinking about riding, now I'm thinking about riding and my camera angle. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the rent for the warehouse. <laughs> right. You're right. So I use that um that picture from your Minecraft video for the thumbnail. Talk to me mm -hmm. about that. How did that idea come about? Well, originally I was trying to make a video about there was a skate video called Yeah, right, way back in the day. And mm -hmm. Spike Jones did one of the segments in the video where they had invisible skateboards and they skated all over this park with, and it just looked like they were floating. And I thought that was the coolest skate part I've ever seen in my life. Mm -hmm. And I thought, Oh, but I could do that. I could just paint the boxes chroma key green and then make it look like I'm riding on invisible boxes. Cause I could just mm -hmm. key them out in. in yeah. Public. Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. That was the original goal was to make that video. And I tried and tried and tried and I could not get like shadows to go away. And it just, it was close, but not perfect. And I spent so many nights in the warehouse. I was trying to do it at night. So there'd be no light pollution at all. And everything would stay super consistent. And I just could not get it. And I just, thought okay well what else can i do with all these green boxes if this isn't going to work instead of keying them out i could key something onto them so uh -huh. i decided to do a minecraft edit and exactly that i just everything was like a static shot and then i would just add in the minecraft key afterwards then we did a live stream for halloween shortly after and I set up the the key for all the Mario blocks and I dressed up as Mario, like red helmet, yeah. white gloves. I had a mustache on too. <laughs> and uh, we rode the, we rode the Halloween live stream as Mario with the, the graphics. And I made yeah. a bunch of shorts from it and stuff like that. And then the, the, the postscript to that is that <laughs> I, you know, cause the, the, the edits or sorry, the live streams were so early in the morning that I finished the live stream and then I went and drove my kids to school dressed up as Mario because it was Halloween. Oh, nice. yeah, so yeah. Uh, they were really fired up. Um, <laughs> but 
it was just a, it was a really fun project and kind of just something different. And I, I wanted to see because Minecraft on YouTube is huge. Would this uh -huh. bring more people to, to the channel? Would this bring more people to the sport? You know what I'm looking at that point was like, how do I get more people to care about trials uh -huh. and what more can I do? How can I get this in front of more people? And okay, here's a, here's a big topic on, on the entire, you know, channel or not uh -huh. channel, but on the Platform. website, right? Like yeah, yeah. there's a lot of Minecraft videos on YouTube. Could we make right. a Minecraft video about bikes and see how that does? And how did it, do? it did okay. It, it did better than most other videos at the time, but it didn't like blow up or anything like that. Mm -hmm. So I just kind of like put my expectations back in check. And I think really what it comes down to is that, uh, the, it's a really great encyclopedia of trial skills if people want to learn it. And now mm -hmm. it's going to have this added element of mountain bike skills. And that's mm -hmm. really my core competency. I'm definitely not. So what was the premise of the video is just like show you doing cool, cool tricks in, in Minecraft. Yeah. Essentially. yeah. I just dressed yeah. up as, as uh, the main character. I made all these yeah. Minecraft setups and then I just rode, you know, yeah. just doing trial stuff on it. And uh, it was cool. I mean, it was fun. And, and, People did watch it. It just, I don't think it really served the purpose that I hoped it would serve. And, and now uh -huh. in hindsight, I realized like, why would it have, you know, mm -hmm. it's way better for me to, to, you know, teach somebody on a mountain bike, how to do, you know, something that's going to actually help them out on the trail. And if they learn a handful of these things and they're like, eh, actually I have a knack for balancing on my bike. Maybe I should try getting a trials bike, or maybe I should. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm going to buy another bike. I think I should buy a trials bike next because that looks like a lot of fun. And this guy has a ton of other videos on his channel that would teach me really quickly. Uh, why, why wouldn't I? I should try this out? This has been fun for me. So I think that's sort of the better use of my time is to kind of develop the skills encyclopedia for mountain bike and for trials and try to help those two groups get into the sport more than just finding random gamers on the channel, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think though, I think it was a, like a really ca catchy thing to do though. I, I would imagine that um, maybe not the Minecraft gamers that you're actually going to like convert, you know, you're not like knocking on their front door and being like, Oh, get into biking, you know, but like the thumbnail is super catching. Like what the heck is going on there? So as a rider, I think that, it still has a, I think it's still, I, I think it's still positive. Like I, I like, I clicked on it. I, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I mean, for me, it was like, I don't even play Minecraft, but I was like, Oh, that's really cool. What did he do? You know? And, and I, um, you know, to be transparent, like I, I clicked on it cause I'm looking for a thumbnail. Right. So I'm like, which one of these videos would be like, have a, a good shot that'll have a good thumbnail in it. And when I saw it, I was like, man, this is really rad. So like, I downloaded the video and I'm like, I'm like skipping through it, you know, in premiere so I can just grab a screenshot. So <laughs> I didn't get to actually like watch the video, but it really grabbed me as far as like, it, yeah, this is like interesting, you know? So I would imagine that anybody else that's possibly looking for a trials video, it's going to be something that really stands out. Mm -hmm. So that, it, <laughs> that kind of, that kind of goes into a, a project that I'm working on right now. Um, the, the, the channel super rider is actually in the, the name super rider is in homage to something that happened in the nineties. There was a, a, a segment on a Japanese TV show called super rider okay. and the super rider segment on this show 
was a insanely difficult obstacle course. And they brought all these riders in from all over the world to try to tackle this impossible course. And each mm -hmm. course had a different theme. So there was one that was like, uh, a, it was like Tokyo, right? So you'd mm -hmm. be like riding over the the buildings in the village and then you'd uh -huh. ride over like a, you know, all these different elements. There was one that was like a radioactive dump site. There was all these different like themes that they would have these different courses and they'd bring the riders in to try to tackle the courses to try to make it to the end. Uh -huh. And that was a big inspiration for me of like where I could go with sort of that Minecraft theme of like, what if I made an entire course that was like insane and it was minecraft themed or i made mm -hmm. an entire course that was insane and had fill in the blank theme and that kind of spawned like this is when you go back to this idea of like how do you bring dignity to the thing that you love i want everybody to love trials the way i love trials and i think that if people could see it in that light and you see this creative element with this obstacle course but then you see these guys kind of tackling it and trying to get through it that's exciting that's something i can get into it's kind of like ninja warrior meets bikes you know and uh -huh. it was always a dream of mine to be on that show in japan like how could i get there how could i be yeah. on that like it's insane they ended up only doing five segments of that that element and then they moved it on to i don't even know what it was kind of like have you ever seen that show Wipeout? It was like yeah, yeah, where they have like all the different challenges, but they just threw right. in a bike one to like make it interesting ones. Right. So basically I just wanted that show to exist more than anything else <laughs> in the world. And I wanted to be on the original one and it never happened. And then it kind of went away. Yeah. And so when it came time to like put this channel together, super rider was like, if I could, what would the thing that I could do that would be the most successful for the thing that I love would be to see the show come back to life. And in, in this era, I think actually it could be pretty cool, you know, like stuff uh -huh. like that works on YouTube, stuff like that works out in the world. And, and I just want to see it happen. So I'm yeah. working on right now. Uh, I think I'm pretty confident it's going to happen now. So we're working behind the scenes to actually make this thing happen. But to continue, you know, where we started with that Minecraft video to now a way more advanced uh, version of that is uh, uh -huh. is sort of like where I'm trying to go with everything. Right on, man. So that is that like, where, what's your ultimate goal with the channel? I think having a channel that that can help everybody just up level their game, regardless of what bike they're riding is kind of mm -hmm. what it means to me. I guess uh, I just love really dissecting every single thing we do on our bikes in when it comes to technical skill mm -hmm. and whether it's trials or mountain bike, being able to offer that up to an audience and help them get to that level is really kind of what's most important. So yeah. to have a channel that accomplishes that regardless of how many people watch or subscribe or whatever, as long as there's somebody that's getting some value out of it, that's, that's yeah. success to me. And if it continues to grow and more people get excited about it and more people subscribe or, or whatever, that's awesome. I'm psyched yeah. and I'm super appreciative to everybody that watches and subscribes and comes up to me and says stuff and all that stuff. Yeah. I mean, just, it just gets sweeter as, as it grows, but truthfully the best is when people come up and say like, I learned this thing from you and it's like, awesome. I put so much effort into that and I'm so glad it worked. Yeah. <laughs> I just like telling stories, man. Yeah. Really, that's what it comes down to for me. I'm not good at like, obviously, like I was joking around earlier, like the tutorial thing is just that's that that's a no go for me, you know, and then like, 
some eyes can like really like geek out on like product review kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's not good for me either. <laughs> <laughs> I did this series of like of uh, 90 second reviews. I really liked doing those because it was, you know, when your buddy asks you, do you like those pedals? You don't talk to him for 15 minutes. You're like, this is cool. This is not, I'd buy them again. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? So that I, I really enjoyed doing those because I felt like I was writing all the things that I hate about YouTube. You know what I mean? Like, like I hate going to a video because I want to learn about these pedals, let's say. And then like going through this guy talking about this and wait, now I got to wait for the sponsor. Oh, wait, now there's a, now there's an ad playing and like seven minutes in, you finally get to hear the 30 seconds of information that you wanted. Yeah. So when I was making those, I, I felt like, all right. I'm making YouTube a better place, but, <laughs> but like reviews just aren't my thing either. I, I think I just really, really enjoy telling stories and yeah. I don't know if it's really for other people or just for me because I, 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 I watch my own videos at least when I edit them, I watch them a bunch of times. Right. And then sometimes, you know, a year goes by and then you watch them again and, and you get to relive that experience. And for me, that's really fun. I, I enjoy that part, you yeah. know, except for the part where I watch the edit and I'm really irritated about everything that I did wrong. But, <laughs> that never but, goes away. I've been editing way too long and I've never been satisfied uh, with a single thing I've ever edited. I always say my best video is the last one I did, <laughs> you know, because because yeah. you're super stoked about it and everything looks dialed and the sound is good. And, and then you learn something new. And the next time you watch that video that thing that you learned new just stands out like a sore thumb. You're like, Oh my God. Well, there's so many videos that I didn't color correct because I was just like, I'm tired of this editing. I've been working on this thing for 12 hours. It looks fine. I got it in and the right like, order. What more do you want? <laughs> yeah, right. You know, for a long time, I wouldn't even do voiceovers. I would always try to say everything that I wanted to say while I was recording. Yeah. And that's hard. Um, it's really, yeah. Yeah, it was. And uh, because then when you're editing, you're like, oh, man, I should have said this or I wish I would have said that. And then finally, I, I broke down and started doing, you know, some voiceover stuff. And it's interesting how you learn to tell your own story over time. You, you know, when you first start. You. Um, you just do what you, you think is is what's supposed to happen, but you don't have your own style. But now. I definitely have my own own style of how I edit my videos. And um, it's interesting watching other people's styles. Mm -hmm. Like, like, um, oh, God, I'm drawing a blank right now. Shit, I was watching one of his videos. He's up in your area. Uh, kind of rides Dustin Klein. You ever watch his stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I love his Dude, stuff. I his style is so cool. Like, the yeah. way that he edits and his, like, little jump scenes and all his B-roll and his humor and... It's just interesting. You you watch other people like that, and you really get inspired. You know, yeah. Yeah, he's so clever. at least as a creator. You, yeah. you know what I mean? He's a, he's an incredible artist and designer. I mean, I, I think what was his background? He did the Cadence uh, clothing line, right? Like that was him or something like that. Yeah, something yeah, like that. yeah. And then I don't know. Yeah, this guy's an incredible artist, and and you see the artist come through in his content. You know? Yeah. And uh, just so free flowing, and just seems so natural doing all the things that he does. And, super jealous <laughs> yeah 
Yeah. Or like, what's the other guy? Uh, Fru something Fru. He he like films for Fox normally. Hmm. Oh uh, god, yeah. I can't think of his first name right now. Anyways, like he has like his his own. He he does a lot of filming for I I want to say Fox like big brands. You know the super sick edits, kind of like probably the stuff that you were doing. You, you know what I mean? And uh, uh, but he has his own channel where he just kind of does this vlog thing. But it's always so artistic and like just these beautiful shots. And I watch that stuff and I'm like, I want to make a video like that. And then it doesn't come out that way. <laughs> <laughs> It's hard. There's so much, yeah. so much time and effort and, and, you know, we're trying to be consistent with the stuff we put out and you kind yeah. of prioritize that stuff and, and you try to, you know, add that 1% every single time. And yeah, but to put one of those out, you can't put one of those out every week. I mean, yeah. I don't know of anybody that can do that, but you can do yeah. one of those every six months, maybe if that's only the thing you're working on. Right. Right. It's, you know, but, but on the internet, it's all the same as this video or that video. You don't, right. you don't know like, oh, this guy put in this many hours into it. This guy didn't sleep for three days because he had to work and then he did it right. after work and then he woke up early the next morning and worked on it. You know, nobody yeah. sees that. They just see thumbnail, thumbnail, you know? Yeah. What would your advice be to somebody getting started? Just like you were saying before, just you have to start. And I think even more so, it's just about raising your hand. Everything that I've learned ever is just raise your hand because a lot of people just aren't doing things or they want to do it, but they haven't done it yet. And you can just do it. And there's not really anybody stopping you. This is, this particularly is a permissionless platform. You don't need mm -hmm. anybody's approval. I think Porter and I both really struggled with that in the beginning because we have all these friends that are pro riders and we think that the people watching our video are going to be those other pros. And they're just going to be sitting there judging us like, uh, nah, yeah. nah. And you realize that actually those guys don't, aren't watching everything that you do. And when you really realize like, who am I doing this for? Oh, I'm doing this to help out the next generation. I'm helping yeah. inspire that next group of people that are going to come up and, and take my spot. It makes it a lot easier to, to move forward with it. And so it, it really goes back to that idea of what are you doing to bring dignity to the thing you love? If you love something and you want to share it, this is the place to do it. Any content platform really but all you have to do is really raise your hand and say, this is, this is my thing. And I'm going to make videos about it either way. Like, I don't yeah. actually care. I'm just going to keep making videos. You know, it's cool to have these milestones, like absolutely hitting 50 K on the channel was like a huge moment for me. And yeah. I've been working super hard and, and, you know, I, I've been thinking about, you know, channel growth and all these different things. But at the end of the day, if I really take a step back, there's no, finish line for any of this stuff there's mm -hmm. i'm not just gonna be like oh cool i got the the silver plaque you know to put on the wall i guess i'm done like no i i just want to keep making videos and as long as this channel lets me do that then great yeah there's not there's not a finish line i'm just gonna keep doing it and everyone else has to have that same mentality like don't get into it to get the silver plaque on your wall or to get you know monetized or whatever just do it because this is what you want to do and you love doing it I've been making yeah. videos for a really long time and <laughs> definitely never got paid uh, yeah. legitimately to do it. But I love making videos and I love sharing stories or sharing in information or just the act of putting stuff out into the world is something that I think is really crazy that that, you know, one minute it didn't exist. And then you pressed upload and now it does like that still feels like magic to me. Mm -hmm. So 
Yeah, it's amazing to think about like 50,000 people at the same time. It's yeah. like next time you go to a like a football game or something and you're looking at that stadium, it's two stadiums full of people yeah. like have hit the button to say, yeah, I want to see this more of this. That's insane to like wrap your head around, you know? Yeah, like the, the giant stadium in San Francisco is I think 42,000 uh, seats total. Yeah. So you could see the World Series yeah. and, and still have like full capacity World Series plus an additional 10,000 people on the street. That's how right. many people have clicked that button. That's insane to think about. Yeah. Uh, and, and yeah, you know, nuts. You know, it's nuts whenever you're thinking. And like when you'll send a video out into the world, let's say it does crappy, like, I don't know to you, but what's, what's a, a low video like? five ten thousand something like that views. i mean it well the shorts obviously do a bit better uh but but honestly like yeah if, if something did under a thousand i would probably be devastated like right. i must have messed something up really right horribly wrong and i yeah still like i mean i grew up in a town of like seven thousand people so right you know it's That's like what I was getting at. it's like even if it's a thousand right like to me yeah i would be totally bummed if i had a thousand views on a video that i spent god knows how many hours on right but yeah. if i made something like let's just say i painted a picture and put it on the telephone pole in front of my house and a thousand people stopped by and were like dude that's rad <laughs> you know like how excited would i be yeah you know like i it's so hard to really wrap your head around what you're doing mm -hmm. you know the the like the the, the reach of it you know, yeah. and like you said, with the shorts, I mean, the numbers on those are even like crazy insane. Something blows up on shorts. It's real easy to get a million views. Yeah. You know, yeah. like a YouTube video gets a million views, man. You're buying a Lamborghini, right? <laughs> you're stoked. <laughs> like, yeah. You're like, you I, I guess I'm doing this now. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. You're like, but like a short, you know, for shorts, it, it, it gets those views like a lot, a lot more frequently. Put it that way. You know, yeah. not that I've done any of those contents but <laughs> what I, think I did one, one viral short video and it got pulled oh, so, no. so like the one thing that i did that finally went viral i was so excited to watch it happen and it's like two three million and then it got pulled because apparently it was not appropriate for the internet wah, wah. <laughs> wah, wah, wah. You know, yeah. one of the one of the things that's really kind of helped me out a lot it, with running, you know, the channel and, and you know, progressing, you know, because just like the people on the other side of the screen are progressing on the bike. And, mm -hmm. you know, to a certain extent, I guess I am, too, because I'm riding a lot. But but truly, the thing that that I think about, the thing that I'm tracking is is obviously like the channel itself and the effort that I'm putting in and, and things like that. And, you know, it can be kind of challenging mentally to go through some of those steps of like growth or or not growth depending mm -hmm. on how things are going that week and something that's been really helpful for me which i think anybody could probably benefit from this you don't have to be a youtube channel person to do it but i got this thing called a five-year journal and mm -hmm. it's just like a it's a little hardcover book and it has five sections on each page and it says like 20 and then dash and so you type you write in the the year it is and then you've got like maybe three sentences to write whatever happened that day. And for me, I got it sort of to track my progress with everything. Mm -hmm. And so on the top of it, I'll write, you know, so it'll say like January one on that page. And then for five years, you write on that page. And so 
January 1, 2023, we're at this many subscribers. And this is like what the channel is doing. And then I write a couple of sentences about what I was working on that day, how I was feeling about things, how I was progressing, what I was thinking about working on, whatever comes to mind. That's and really cool. I, I am like, really, I'm, I'm into this. Keep going. <laughs> so, so I'm actually, so I'm on year two right now. And I had a journal that I'd, so I've been keeping a journal about my channel, which is weird because I've never journaled before, but uh -huh. I've been keeping a journal about my channel pretty much since I had like a hundred subscribers. And I found this, I use it as a, a way to sort of track my own progression, but I think anybody could use this to track any sort of metric that they wanted. If they were working on technique, if they were working on writing, if they're trying to get more mileage, if they're trying to get stronger, whatever you're trying to accomplish in your life, if mm -hmm. you have a set goal, this is a great way to track it and check in with yourself. Because when I have a, a day that I'm not, feeling motivated or I'm bummed out about the way something went, maybe not even channel related, but mm -hmm. I just want to look and see how far I've come. I can page back into this journal or now that I've got this five-year journal, I can look at the page above or the entry above. So what mm -hmm. was I doing in June of, of 2022? Oh, wow. I only had, you know, 10,000 subscribers. Look how far I've come. What was I thinking yeah. about back then? Oh, I can't believe I was thinking about that. I should be, I should have been doing this or whatever. And it gives you a lot of perspective of how far you've come in whatever it is that you are trying to accomplish. And especially yeah. if it's kind of on one topic the whole time, I still yeah. like add in like real life stuff too, like yeah, yeah, know, yeah. whatever. But, but for the most part, I like keep this journal around the thing that I'm trying to progress the most around. And mm -hmm. this journal helps me kind of keep my head in check because I, a, I don't let it get to me as much because I could just put it on the paper and then like close the book. Mm -hmm. But when I'm having a good day, I can look at it and be like, wow, look how far I've come. When I'm having a bad day, I can be like, wow, look how far I've come. Yeah. And you look back at certain entries or, or something, you know, you see the day, the year before of like, wow, I was really feeling like garbage on that day. But now look where I'm at. Like, this is crazy. Right. Or, oh, wow, this is a really good day. I should try to aim for this time next year to be doing this. And yeah, I'll even like write to myself to the next year. Like, hey, I hope by this time next year you're here, you know. Right. And, uh, it's really fascinating, this this five-year journal. I don't know. I just kind of stumbled upon it randomly. And, and it's been yeah. maybe one of the most important things I've done. I, that sounds really, really cool to me. Like. I, I'm a person that definitely enjoys reminiscing on things. So I think that's the part that I would enjoy the most. Yeah. And it sounds like something, I mean, even if you had a shorter term goal, you could, you could have a five month thing and it's like, this is what you do on the first and this is what you do on the second. And so like, it'd be real easy to, that's really that, that what a great idea that somebody came up with. Right? <laughs> yeah. They're on Amazon. They're like, I don't know, 20, 30 bucks or whatever, but right? uh, it, it, yeah, just, it's I've never journaled ever have not ever been a person who writes yeah. stuff and yeah. it's just like hit different and it, it really motivated me and it it just gave me something to kind of anchor my my progression onto I don't know I guess my closest thing to journaling is my channel yeah to be honest it's just telling the stories of the rides that I've done and and whatnot that would probably be the closest thing because <laughs> I I've uh yeah not not really much of of a, a journaling kind of person but they're fun to look back on you know yeah so, i'm glad it did it like i i yeah. now now i've been doing it for two or three years like there's no way i could see myself ever stopping 
same, yeah. same with the channel. Like I just, this is just who I am now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Once you hit five and five years, we're, you're like, Oh God, I got to get another book. Be, <laughs> Volume two. Like, can you imagine where you'll be in five years if you continue yeah. just progressing at the thing that you are, you want to, you know, if you, yeah. if you put five years, what's, what's the line? It's something like people overestimate where they can get in one year, but they underestimate where they can go in five. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. By the time I get to the end of that journal, where will all of this be? Yeah. But I bet it'll be fascinating. <laughs> if right. I, if I don't give up, if I keep like, you know, on it every day for, for five years, I mean, yeah. what could you accomplish in five? You could learn a language. You could do all kinds of like random stuff. You know, it's kind of crazy to think about what you could do in that amount of time. I don't have a clue. I don't think I know what my goal is of doing this channel to, or any, both of my channels. I don't really think I know what my goal is. Like I, I it sounds like you have like a goal. You're like, I want to, I want to, you know, be teaching this stuff to these other people and having them like get into biking more. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't really know. I, think I really just, yeah. I think it's okay though, too. Like yeah. that's sometimes the best art doesn't have a, a reason for being, you yeah. know, it just, it just sprang to life and, and yeah. people are like, I'm, I just make art because I make art. I, this is what I do. Yeah. This is how I communicate with the world. And I think that's okay. I don't think every single person has to have like a, a set goal or a set intention or anything. It can just be like, this is my art project and you're here. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I am. Um, I don't know. Do you, do you like, do you have an end goal? Do you have like a goal? Like you're like, okay, I would love to like, I want to be quit my job and buy a house <laughs> and you know, like, do you have like a goal or, or is it just, you know, keep plugging away and see where you get. I honestly, I, I would love to be in a scenario where I could just ride and film. And, you know, that was the joke between me and Porter, because back in the day I used to travel around with all my friends and film bike videos and, and, you know, sell them to companies or put them in distribution yeah. or whatever. And Porter's like, isn't it so funny that you worked so hard and your end goal is to get back to where you started. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, you know, I, I think like this, this super rider concept that we're working on right now is a huge part of like, okay, well, if this stuff does grow and continues to go in the right direction, then I can make these things happen that I want to see happen. I will, I can bring yeah. things to life. And I think, you know, all these channels are able to do, I mean, Seth has a, a full bike park at his disposal now. That's pretty sweet. Right. Um, a lot of writers, a lot of channel people have all kinds of cool things that they've kind of brought to life. So could the channel get to a point where we bring, you know, some really cool concepts to life? That'd be great. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I think like if I attached my, my outcome to anything other than just helping people get better at riding bikes, then that might be kind of a dangerous place for me to be because that is the goal. That's the reason for making it. But sure. Yeah. Could there be some like big cool awesome things that happen as a result i'm yeah. here for it i would love to see it yeah. um but yeah. I, I i don't know like i'm just gonna you know just kind of keep chipping away and and trying to reach as many people as i can and help as many people as i can and and that's yeah. kind of what it what it boils down to for me at least yeah i mean i i could easily say yeah it would be rad to like just make youtube videos and do my podcast and that would be my job and not have you know the, the nine to five as well but that's not my goal. Like, you, you know what I mean? Like I've thought about quitting YouTube so many times 
like I can't even tell you how many times I'm like, that's it. Tomorrow I'm getting up fucking I'm making a video. I'm telling everybody I'm done. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, like because some reason, whenever I think about quitting, I still have to tell everybody I'm quitting. I don't know. <laughs> like, like, just so one more video. Get, just one more. Just, <laughs> so I can get a bunch of like comments and stuff. I don't know. Like, that's the one that's going to go viral. And then I'm going to be like, damn it. No, I can't quit. But like, the one thing that, that every time I get to that point of like, I could just hit delete right now there's this thing in the back of my head that's like, don't do it just yet. You know, wait till, wait till tomorrow morning. And there's always this, um, I really like this community, like this, the, 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 the friendships and the camaraderie and like the meeting people like you and having these conversations. And there's all these things that I, that I apparently like more than how much I hate the editing part. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? And every time, these positive things are like, nope, I'm just going to keep doing it. Maybe I slow down for a little bit, or maybe I like pivot and do more podcasts, or maybe I pivot and do like, don't do a podcast for like a month, you know? And, uh, but one reason or another, I just can't stop. Like, I don't, <laughs> so, I don't know what the goal is, but I sure can't stop. <laughs> so it's like, I don't know, man. I it's just it's insanity or something, I, you know? I think, you know, it's, it's, it's obviously doing something to fulfill some element that's so important and so vital in, in both of us. Yeah. Like we love yeah. making content. We love talking about bikes. We love being around bike people. All these things are important. And this is our way to, to impact that, to have, you know, something to contribute to the conversation, to be part of it. And, and to even like, like you said, meet new people and, get to interact with them and learn from them and share with them. And like, this stuff is awesome. Like I'm so excited to talk to yeah. another person about bikes every single time. It doesn't matter, yeah. you know? Uh, and it's even better to talk to somebody who also has a channel because we share a lot of, you know, the same stuff in common and, and our, our thought process to get to this point and to keep doing it, mm -hmm. you know, you know, month in and out and stuff like that. It's, it's really special to find all these people and this is how we connect with everybody. It's by doing these kind of things. And that yeah. alone is enough for most of us, you know, like this is great to be able to connect and find new friends and, and all these things in this way. I think that's why people ride, you know, it's yeah. sure. Yeah. It's healthy and it's fun and you go fast, but think about the community of riders that you're friends with, that you ride with on a regular basis that are part of your life that like, that's just as important, you know? And, yeah. uh, you know, we crash off the bike all the time, but we still get back on the bike, you know, and it's the same yeah. thing over here. Like not every video is a banger, but like you still get back on and make more. Right. Right. What's your, what's your best video that you've, that you've done? The best one I did was the Danny McCaskill walkthrough of San Francisco. So he put out this video in, I think November or December of last year. And mm -hmm. I was in San Francisco with him. And I dragged him back to the three spots that I thought were the most insane in the video. And I made him explain to me and the GoPro, like, what were you thinking? What were you doing at this spot? And we, we basically released it, you know, a couple of days after he released his video. And mm -hmm. so a lot of people were like, that video was crazy. Here's the explainer of what mm -hmm. Danny was thinking. And it's a bit more context to yeah. how he chose the spot, what he was thinking, how he was, putting this thing together and and i just let him talk on camera and 
yeah, that, that video did really, really well. Um, yeah. So is that is, so that's the one that did the best by like the numbers. Yeah. Right. So what's the one that you like the best? That's a great question. I, I think actually that's probably one of my favorites just because Danny's been a friend for a really long time. And especially uh-huh. as a trials content creator, you'd be amazed at how many comments are like, you should look up Danny McCaskill. <laughs> and <laughs> it's, it's really frustrating. Cause I'm like, yes, I've known Danny since he was like 15. Yeah. Um, so now when people do that, I can just post the link to that video. Like, Oh really? Check this video out. You know, yeah. um, it's nice <laughs> to have a, like a little rebuttal, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. just every, every time I try to do a trials explainer or a short or something people, I mean, you know, he's super famous bike rider. Yeah. And you know, if you know, Danny McCaskill, you likely know trials. And so everybody yeah. else must not know about Danny McCaskill. So um, yeah, it's nice that, to have have some content. And, you know, we've been friends for a long time, so it was cool to be able to do something together after all yeah. these years of stuff. I'd say that's up there. I yeah, every every video kind of has like a special point, you know, where I've had a different bike or I've been in a different place. You know, the, mm-hmm. the early videos from the shred spot are some of my favorites. They they didn't get a lot of love, but it shows like how we built the place out, how we. Mm-hmm. created the spot and it's early days you know where there's like one or two obstacles in this giant warehouse now you can barely ride like this morning i was doing a wheelie video and i could barely get like a second crank in because there's so many features in the warehouse now that we've been building and that we've built up uh, and stuff like that so i like when you say we is there other people helping you or is it we as in you and the people in the gym like the, your subscribers the royal we no yeah. <laughs> it's it's so the building i've had my friend evans come in and help me build a couple of things but really kind of like sent me off and i've just kind of been building all this stuff by myself to mm-hmm. you know my my kids come in and help me paint it that's yeah, yeah that's pretty much it it's just me in a warehouse talking to myself and yeah. thankfully there are people on the other side of the screen that are down to watch it and, and yeah. apply it to their writing. I mean, that's really like the most important thing. Like we were talking about is that people yeah. actually take this and use it and learn from it and, and become better writers as a result. Like if that wasn't happening, it'd be a lot harder to do what we do. Yeah. How old are your kids? Uh, six and eight. Oh, that's so, fun. Funny. Yeah, super fun age. They really want to be, you know, my daughter asked if she could have a YouTube channel and they really want to be featured on camera and stuff like that, but not yeah. really like the, you know, whatever. So, um, yeah, I actually have an older son who just turned 21 and I've been dying to do like a cross country mountain bike road trip with him. So uh-huh. at some point, maybe that'll, that'll happen. But, uh, yeah, right now it's just pretty much me hammering away in the warehouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, um, I think at that age, having a camera or whatever on them is just, it's just like a really cool thing. The very first video that's on my channel and the biker channel is uh, a video that I made with my kids when they were right around that age. And it was before biker was biker, you know, you know what I mean? It, yeah. it, but it was, it was like one of the videos that whenever I actually started doing the biker channel, and I was going through all my stuff that I had on there. And I was like, delete, 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 delete. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to leave this one there. And, um, you know, it's that, you know, typical GoPro video with, you know, some popular song in the background and no audio. And like, you know, just like, but I just remember that day. They were just so stoked to like, 
put the camera, like I put here, you can have the GoPro now. It's like, I get the GoPro now. You know, they're just so, <laughs> so amped. And uh, there's this, this little tiny dirt mound, let's just call it like, like a little three foot roll down, right. Or something like that. Nothing that's anything at all. And, but at, to them at that age, like they were like, man, this is scary. And they did it. And then they were all amped about it. And my son is, um, he's 23 now. He was just home. He, he got out of the military just recently. And so he came home for a little bit and we went out riding and, and we like went by that spot. And I was like, Hey, you remember that video? And he's like, yeah, I was like, this is that spot. And he's like, man, that's crazy. You know, it's just like, <laughs> like, cause it's in, embedded in your mind because you've seen the video. And then like, he also remembers the memory, but then it's like, here it is. It's like, this is what, this is the spot. You're sure. I thought it was a lot bigger than that. You yeah, know? It's yeah. like, no dude. But uh, yeah. Yeah. It's such a fun age, man. When they're right around that age. But I think the whole thing, you know, the whole, the whole experience of watching them grow up is fun. So yeah, I'm that's so cool, cool that, that, um, that they're amped about it. You know, my daughter tells everybody I'm famous. <laughs> <laughs> I've been recognized a couple of times in front of my daughter and it's like her brain just explodes. She's like, Oh, you're famous, yeah. you know, or, or my, my friend's dad watches your YouTube channel or what, you know, yeah. whatever it's, it's yeah. really comical, but it's like a big deal to them. So yeah, I'm happy that I can provide some, I guess if that's the thing they think is cool that I do, whatever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 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 And sometimes I question it too. I mean, my daughter's at this point, she's 21. She still tells people I'm famous, but, um, <laughs> but it's like, it's like, man, I would have never thought I'd be 45 years old making content on YouTube and like super stoked about it. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? It's definitely, if you would have told 25 year old me or 30 year old or even 35 year old me that this is what I would be doing. I would have laughed at you. I've been like, you're high. That's not what I'm <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I think a lot of people are getting on bikes that are our age. You know, I, yeah. I see a lot of people in the comments being like, Oh, I'm, I, you know, I did a video for my 43rd birthday. I jumped 43 inches on my bike and had been working wow. up to it for a super long time. But I was like, I'm going to jump my age, you know, and that was a big oh, deal. Wow. So many people are like, Oh, wow. I didn't realize you were 43, but I'm going to also like, you know, I'm, I'm around that age too. And I'm going to motivate to do something, you know, whatever. And, and yeah. a lot of people in forties, fifties, some people even sixties leaving comments, like I'm working on trials too. And I'm this, or I'm a mountain yeah. biker and I'm doing this. It's really, I think a lot of people are, are, are picking up bikes even now, which is awesome. And you know, yeah. the best part about being sort of a grown up and being into bikes is that you can afford all the toys, yeah. you know, back when I was growing up, I had to, you know, basically beg my parents like hey i need this new part i just snapped yeah. my cranks can you please please like what do i need to do right I need to have a bike to ride now i can be like i want to have the best bike and i just got my bonus at work and i'm going to spend all that money on this bike yeah you know yeah. Uh, and you can you can have like the stuff that you wanted to have when you were a kid you know yeah. and that's i don't know i think maybe that's part of it too people are yeah. You know, you've been holding off this whole time and now your kids have gone to school or you, you know, you have a, you know, a job or whatever, and you can actually afford to buy the bike that you want. Maybe. Yeah. You know, I think the reason that I would have also thought that it like, I, I wouldn't have thought that I would be doing this now is that I would have thought that, um, 
I would be aged out of making content. Like I wouldn't have like 30 year old me wouldn't think that anybody would want to watch a 45 year old guy talk about like riding bikes and like what he's doing. You know what I mean? And, mm -hmm. and yeah, you can look at your demographics. Typically, at least for me, most of the people that are watching my channel are like plus or minus 10 to 15 years of, of my age. Like, let's just say 10, you know? So, but there's still, you know, 15 year old kids that come up to me at the local like riding spot and like, dude, I watch your channel. They're like, you know, they're super shy and they're like afraid to say something. Sometimes their parents come up and they're like, my son watches your channel and he just <laughs> wants to say hi. I'm like, well, he can say hi. Like, you know, but, uh, it, I would have thought that, you know, this would be the, the, like, like we would be aged out, you know? And I think it's something to do with how YouTube came up and, as it's becoming more and more like, I guess just like, like a, 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 like an acceptable like medium for, for being entertained that, that um, you don't have to be 20 to make content. You know what I mean? It's that's right. It's, it's a permissionless platform. We raised our hands to make content. We said, I'll, I'll do it. I'll make, yeah. I'll make content for other people to watch. Uh, I think I can offer something entertaining or something useful and I'll do it. And, maybe there aren't 20 year olds that have the wisdom or have the, yeah. you know, they're, they're self-conscious. I mean, it took me until I was 40 to kind of get over it and start yeah. making content, you know? And so maybe they're just behind us. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're working through that and eventually they'll start making content. But I think, yeah, at this stage, you know, we've gotten to this point, uh, emotional development or whatever that we're capable of yeah. putting it out and making it and sharing it and not, feeling self-conscious about it or or i don't know i guess still to a certain extent i do but yeah i mean but doesn't like doesn't it like hurt your brain a little bit to think like i could be a 60 year old guy like jumping around on a bike and people would still watch my videos you're like <laughs> really <laughs> you know what i mean i don't know at least for me like i doubt it but if i'm sitting here being logical with myself i'm like no that'll happen you know what i mean like yeah like i hope like i'm it, still riding at 60 i'll probably be riding a much different style but right, i hope right. that i'm still riding a bike i mean yeah so um you do trials obviously we've been talking about that a lot but you do have some crossover mountain biking stuff how'd you get into mountain biking I mean, that was originally how I got into the sport in general. And I'd been riding the whole time and I've been living in Portland. I mean, I moved here in 2005 and I moved around a little bit, but I was in the Bay area. So I always had access to trails and stuff to ride for. So mm -hmm. I rode for Schwinn for a while when I first started riding trials and then I got uh, sponsored by Diamondback. So Diamondback actually had all kinds of other bikes besides this trials bike that it was like mm -hmm. a one-off that they made in France. And then they shipped it over for me to ride shows and stuff. But then I also had like all their, you know, like their mountain bikes to ride at the same time. So wherever I lived, if it was in the Bay or, or out here or whatever, I was always riding all the local trails and stuff because it's super fun. And mm -hmm. all of these skills transfer over almost perfectly so mm -hmm. once you learn how to lift your front wheel you can do it on any bike once you learn how yeah. to pivot and move your back wheel you can do that on any bike and so being able to ride trials or you know trails you could apply all those things over and it just made it even more fun and you're the guy yeah. at the trailhead that's hopping over the log while you're waiting for everybody else to ride or whatever yeah. but i would always ride you know around port you know in hood river there's bend there's all kinds of epic spots to ride around here in portland and so wherever I ended up, there was always mountain biking that was sort of part of the picture. And I was actually doing a lot more mountain biking. I'd kind of put my mountain bike down for, or my trials bike down for quite a while. 
Mm -hmm. and then just recently picked it back up but i've always kind of mountain biking has always been like a constant and then yeah you know been to whistler a bunch of times and and all that Mm -hmm. stuff so there's some really good riding in your area i used to go um to portland pretty regularly for uh for work yeah and so i've definitely ridden around that area a bit there was like a ohv park or something like that browns camp does that sound right brown something i think so heading heading west from portland and road over not Longview, but around that area some different stuff so lot, lots of fun man I, I just uh you guys have great great dirt there when it's not raining <laughs> yeah oh absolutely yeah and in the gorge i mean you know all over hood river and then you've got the syncline trail on the opposite side that's for me it's like trials paradise too because there's Mm -hmm. there's a section called little moab that's all these rocks and you have to kind of pick your way through it and you know kind of figure out how to get through there's some drops in there there's some little gaps and stuff and so i feel like when i can mix the two things together that's when i'm the most at home and that's when yeah kind of i can shine and maybe even cut ahead of some of my homies when i'm riding but that, that trail is like probably one of my favorite ones. And then you get to bend and all that stuff. And there's all kinds of stuff to do out there, but yeah, yeah. There's a lot of really fun stuff. Ben's fun. I like Ben a lot. There was a guy that I can't remember his name. I went and rode with like, he was one of the, one of the, let's just say one of the like top 10 trials riders. And, uh, I'm not a guy that like knows professional riders very well. So he was, you know, friends with somebody else that, that I was riding with. And, um, he was like, tell me what he did. And I was like, Oh, right on. That's cool. But the, the thing that was coolest to me was watching the way that he would look at the trail compared to how we would look at the trail. Like as like regular mountain bikers were like, all right, we're going to rock down, like go down this rock roll. And then we're going to shoot this line. And then he would be like, Oh no, I want to go like bounce out on that rock over there. And then like, try to like <laughs> drop down off of that onto this one over here. And we're like, what are you even looking at? Like we didn't even see the world through his lens, you know? And uh, it, it, uh, it, it was really interesting to watch that like firsthand and, and see that like the way that you would look at a trail compared to how I would look at a trail. It's just, it's interesting. Super interesting. I mean, that's really where I'm trying to kind of bridge the gap with, with these mountain bike tutorials is to give people just like a little bit, just yeah. like learn this one thing. Cause it will make your switchbacks easier. You know, it'll make yeah. your, it'll make it easier to ride steep stuff. It'll make it easier to climb up this or to, you know, just these little things. Like you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours trying to learn like a side hop. You just yeah. have to learn this one way of how you use your pedal power to give yourself a little bit of extra boost to do this thing. And let yeah. me just show you this one element that's going to break it down. So that's like where I'm trying to put the two together because surely I've spent my 10,000 hours on the trials bike to get to where I'm at. But because of that, I can give you the 10% of that to, you know, here, this is the one thing that I learned that took me a long time to learn, but you could learn it in a day and it will change the way that you think about riding. It will change the way that you ride the trails that you're riding on a regular basis. It's going to completely flip all of that by this one thing. And that's the uh-huh. thing that gets me so excited. It's like those things exist. There are yeah. actual hacks in technique for mountain biking that most mm-hmm. people don't learn or don't put any time or effort into. And now in this era where you can just buy power, you can yeah. now spend all of your time working on technique. And that's great. Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome, man. 
we're almost at two hours here, dude. I really appreciate you sitting down and chatting with me. That's been yeah. super fun. This is really Definitely. great. Yeah, yeah. Thank I, I really like it's it's always super entertaining to me to like have these conversations. That's probably why I keep doing it. It's like doesn't have anything to do with the views. I'm really just doing this all for myself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it comes down to. I just like meeting people, man. But like it was it's been a great conversation. It's been really fun hearing how you how you've um ended up to where you are today. I, re I really appreciate that. Awesome. It means a lot. Yeah, thanks so much for for reaching out and and bringing me on. It's so cool to yeah. have a chat and and uh, yeah, I'm fired up. I always like to ask people at the end of the show what YouTube channels they like to watch. Like, it doesn't have to be bike stuff. Like, just what kind of what kind of content do you like to watch? Um, it's always Jeez. fun to, to get some new gems. A lot of the stuff that I'm watching is is very YouTube centric. So uh, okay. I'll watch like Film Booth is one of my favorite YouTube like uh -huh. creator channels. I recommend that one to a lot of people just cause I think yeah. he's really entertaining in the way that he talks about it. Mm -hmm. Um, I really like Colin and Samir too. They do a lot of, uh, they do podcasts, but they also do a lot of kind of documentary or like breakdowns on, on creators and stuff like that. You can mm -hmm. see I'm like sort of laser focused in on learning. Yeah. Stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's okay. But, uh, you know, I obviously Porter and I, you know, I've watched all his videos and, and sets as well. Like those guys have, been huge inspirations to me and then a lot of the other stuff i watch is kind of one-off or it's related to the stuff you mm -hmm. know if somebody might post a trials video um some of the guys that are in the the discord channel like uh, this guy jay bank always posts videos like almost every day of him progressing on certain stuff and i yeah. get so fired up to watch these guys that are that are working so hard to like pick up technique and see their progression day after day on all these videos so a lot uh -huh. of times like I'm I'm going from like these super polished YouTube creator, like learn this, get better at this to then mm -hmm. watching like these these more like, hey, I'm just posting this for my own. This is yeah, my diary, of my progression and stuff like that. And yeah. and so a lot of people will post stuff in our discord channel. That's just like, here's what I practiced today. Like, oh, I got as far. This is my PR manual, you know, or yeah. whatever. So um, and then the other one that I really like that's sort of trial specific is called the Shindig. And their uh -huh. channel, they actually have a podcast as well that's like all trials podcast. But they also uh -huh. do this thing where they go out in London with like 15 or 20 dudes who are all trials riders. And it's just like the banter between all of the riders uh -huh. where it's not about like who's jumping the highest or farthest. It's them giving each other a hard time or laughing. Yeah, yeah. It's like the culture that that you don't necessarily get. And I just get a kick out of that. And I know those guys now have been over and ridden with them, but uh -huh. it's so fun just watching people have a good time on bikes. And that's like the rawest expression of it right there. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's the thing that makes the small channels grow. Yeah. Is that um, when you're starting out, you, you, you don't have a style, you don't have an editing style. It's just like your personality and the things that you're excited about. And that's what people can relate with. You know, so it doesn't matter if you color grade or you do voiceovers or have fancy camera tricks and know what shutter speeds are and stuff like that. You can just having a good time and people can relate with that. So obviously you've been doing a good job of getting people to relate with you over 50. You're at 60 something now, aren't you? I think it's at 61 right now. Yeah, yeah. it's crazy. Honestly, like I'm blown away that. Yeah, it's so cool. It's it's yeah. you know like clearly there's something valuable on that channel yeah. for people to learn and 
And I think, uh, it doesn't matter what bike you're on. You're going to learn something that you can take away and, and immediately put into practice. And that's it. That's the focus. And like I said, there's really no finish line. I just want to keep helping people get better at riding bikes. And if they choose to pick up a trials bike and they want to get super into it, they can absolutely do that. But if they yeah. want to learn how to just ride trails better or, you know, pick up a trick or a hack or whatever, like that is also there. And ultimately as long as more people get on bikes and get better at riding bikes, like that's job done for me. Right on man. So <laughs> in your, your journal, you're going to put, you know, June 13th, 2023. What's on the biker bar today? Yeah, no, that definitely goes on there. It has to. It's like the most important thing that happened on the channel. <laughs> right. So what what do you think 2024 is going to be June 13th? Maybe maybe we do another one of these. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious now. I just want to ask that that last thing. What do you think this time next year you're going to be doing? I want the Super Rider show to be out into the world. And I want, I know that there's going to be a lot of thoughts and opinions about it because I think it will reach beyond the trials world if we do it uh -huh. right. And uh -huh. I'm super curious to see that's the one X factor of this whole thing of like, if we, you know, talking to my friends at Red Bull, it's like, Hey, you guys know that the, the biggest, the most viral content on the YouTube channels is actually trials riding. But for some reason, this is the smallest bike sport. Like, I don't get it. Why, yeah. why is it like that? You know? Yeah. And could this be the thing that finally connects the dots in the right way? I mean, as yeah. trials writers, I feel like we have this kind of mentality of like, why hasn't it happened yet? You know, you see Dan <laughs> skyrocket, you see Fabio right. skyrocket, and you're like, when's going to be my time? But right. <laughs> truly, like, how is it that like the sport itself hasn't, you know, it's still just in the back corner. Like, look at these weirdos over here, you know? Yeah. Uh, what do we need to do to make people really care about like, how is the, the current world champion has won the world championship 10 times. He's basically unstoppable and he's in like, it's insane watching this guy ride, but like, I just don't feel like he gets the, the respect he deserves as a 10 time right. world champion. The other 10 time world champion is Nino and everybody, you know, knows who that is. So yeah. how come Jack Carthy doesn't get the same amount of respect? I just, yeah. I, I don't get it. And I just hope that a year from now I've done something that's meaningful to, to the sport that I love that I've brought dignity to it. And that's like, okay, what did I do? a year yeah. from today that like brought it into a level where more people care about the thing that I care about. If I can keep my ADD in check long enough to get all the way off of this podcast and make a counter event, I'll send you a message a year from now and see what, see what, what happens, man. That'd be fun. to That'd be fun to follow up. Maybe we should do another show in the year. Yeah, let's do um, it. No, it'd be so fun just to see. And you know, like I said, people overestimate what they can do in a year, underestimate what they can do in five. So maybe, yeah. Maybe I'm at 61,000 in a year and, yeah. <laughs> and the show is still dead in the water or whatever. But yeah. again, like there's no finish line. I'm still going to keep making videos, even if, you know, yeah. nothing happens. I find it very hard to believe that it'll still be at 61,000. <laughs> you're doing, you're doing good stuff over there. Your, your, your content is high quality. You're obviously striving to do better every time. And you continue to do that. There's no way you're not going to continue to grow. You have a great passion. You're um, good at, at what you're doing as well. I mean, like I said, the, the video that, um, or one of the videos that I watched that, that switchback video, it made me think about some skill sets 
things that I'm like, man, I haven't done that since I used to ride BMX. I should work on that. And I don't know why I don't. And so I think you, I think you're definitely tapping into something good, man. So I, I, I'm excited to see where 2024, June 13th, 2024 is for you, man. It'll be super, super cool to see that once again, really appreciate you uh, stopping by and having a conversation with me here on, on the biker bar. All of you that have listened to this for two hours, if you hadn't hit the subscribe button, do that. If you're on YouTube, the thumbs up, if you're on YouTube, if you are, um, what the hell was I going to say? I don't even remember what I was going to say now. <laughs> if you're thinking about writing a podcast review for me, that would be rad. Swing over to Apple Podcasts, write a five-star review. If you're thinking four-star, nah, don't do it. It's not worth your time. But anyways, if you're uh, otherwise, you just want to get some 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 good content for free, swing by Instagram, check out Aaron's Aaron's uh, thing over there. It's Super Rider TV on Instagram and Facebook. He's got a TikTok. And um, of course, his YouTube channel, that's linked in the show more or the notes, the podcast notes. So you can check that out. Those of you on Patreon, once again, thank you very much. Those of you that are thinking about throwing a tip at me for a buck on Patreon, go over there and maybe, maybe, maybe decide to do five. You get some stickers. That'd be cool. I'll write you a letter and personally thank you for doing that. I really appreciate that. Just like you, Aaron, I appreciate you being here on the show. Once again, thank you. And uh, those of you, if you want something for free, just remember this. It only takes a bike to be a biker. Get out and be one. <laughs>